The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Come Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, who apparently needs to remember that going forward very soon they have to remember to get everything set up, including recordings. <laughs> Before you hit the uh, start button. Uh, you can find me at <laughs> exactly. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can also find me at News News Need on Twitter. Uh, News News Needs Reddit. Uh, you can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And with me tonight, the man, the myth, the legend, one agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? I feel the need. The need. Ow. Ow. Gotta have to clap. Make sure the clap isn't exactly. Yes. Um not with us tonight. Um is uh PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Uh news knows need on Twitter, news knows need dot I'm sorry, that is my stuff. Um uh little bit of pop culture network dot com potwork culture net on twitter he has nothing to do with news news need um and all of his umbrella sites therein there should be a news news need uh, uh dot com coming at some point hopefully maybe i don't know if i can therefore but anyway and last but not least the osiris that is one tim d-o-g-g-9-8 on twitter um cb cron on twitter the click nation on twitter that's the k-l-i-q-n-a-t-i-o-n also the click nation.com and comic resources where he's over there writing his face off and boy have they had a busy time this past week as we will get into later <laughs> folks we are going to get into the comic book books of the week but first um you can find this here program on the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. Exactly. You can also subscribe and find this uh, program on Google Play and Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and of course, the Cold Slither Podcast Network's Spotify page, uh, excuse me, uh, SoundCloud page. And that's it. We better hit some books. It's been yeah. a it's a lot of books this week and a lot of lot of number ones and some good stuff. And we're gonna start off with the big the big boy of uh, the long anticipated book from Marvel and uh Jonathan Hickman, House of X number one. Yeah, this is a big one. This is you know, a, a, there's a lot of reading. It's not just story, but also setup. Because this is definitely a brand new status quo for uh the mutants of the Marvel universe. Although there is some familiarity with it, if you have read one uh, Jonathan Hickman's earlier works with, with Marvel uh, from his his uh, Avengers stuff, you will notice a couple of familiar beats. 
Oh, as, in, as in how they build their world. Basically. Yeah. And the exposition therein, you know. But at least in this one, it part of part of it reads like a uh like a Gundam uh uh manga. Weirdly okay. enough. Because like, you know, he kinda goes through the stuff or he goes through the, the scenes and then at the end has a nice little exp- explainer page of what some of the stuff that was mentioned. Gotcha. Um which is good and helpful if you're not because if you're coming through through this really fresh, which everybody should be, because as far as we know, this is a hard reset of the X universe within reason. Like we don't know the, the the full extension of it, right? But you know, they killed off everything for this to happen for a reason. So therefore, you know, Hickman and, and his. In his style, as we as we have as Tim has uh, said, and we like to uh, quote the uh, Hickman mumbo jumbo, which I said earlier, the mumbo jumbo is back. It is back. And listen, we reveled in the Avengers mumbo jumbo. That oh, we did. We loved it. Yes. It was a great ride, and for fans of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, you absolutely, if, if you're late to the game. There are definitely some touches that were there yes. dramatically. They lifted, they lifted generously from Hickman's uh, Avengers run and the Infinity um, uh, miniseries thereafter. Yep. So we have some, I would dare say, lofty expectations of how this is going to play off in the six issues of this and um, Powers of X that is coming next week and going into the whole X line going forward. Right. Uh, and I guess we can safely say that, yeah, it's starting off on a well, well even though we say it starts off on a couple of familiar notes. But right. let me ring the spoiler bell so we can speak a little bit in detail and then sure. we can talk about the, the um, what we see, you know, in this issue and what we possibly will see going forward. So here we go. Spoiler bell in three, two, one. Yes. So, um, I totally forget. I actually forgot how I started off, even though I read off earlier. But um, yeah, I was just skimming. I just wanted to mention that the setup is that uh, mutant kind is literally restarted in a, in, a, in a place, and it feels like they 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 overlooked something because they mentioned the Genosian massacre, which did happen a while back. Uh, but it seemed like, or maybe they haven't touched on it yet, the, the inhuman stuff. Because basically, they said at, after this certain point, mutants have doubled in poss- you know, popularity and seek, seeking to overtake uh, humankind in a number of years. And in fact, if it wasn't for the Genosian thing, it would have happened in lesser time. Right. So what, what, what Roddy Cat is referring to is, you know, there is a setup that, uh, is based on the reemergence of the X Men, right? So what we have is, and without spoiling everything, we, we're just setting up like you know the broad, uh, you know, we're giving everyone a broad overview of what this story is uh, at least starting to entail. Um, you know, the, as, as we mentioned earlier, the X Men are kind of restarting, and what Roddy Cat was mentioning is that there is a countermeasure. That has been put in place in in the event that uh, the mutant race uh, gains uh, a superior uh, percentage. 
yes. let's say. We'll put it that way. You know, they gain, yes. let's say they gain a superior percentage over uh, over the rest of uh, humanity. That's um, how superior tends to do. Exactly, and what and, and what Roddy gets also referring to is the uh, um, the effects of the Terrigen bomb that happened um, uh, post Infinity, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there was a time when uh, mutant kind was, uh, you know, mutant kind has been decimated over and over again, and you know they, you know, they've had their numbers chipped down to one hundred ninety-eight. Mm-hmm. They've had their numbers chipped down post Terrigen bomb, and they obviously, as Marvel is wont to do, have them recover and rebound with lots of, uh, you know, with lots of death but lots of rebirth. So may or may not have anything to do with a certain acquisition of Fox and Disney and the fact that mutants are now back in semantically uh, under the Marvel umbrella. Right. May or may not have something to do with that on the other side of that, but hey, we won't get into that. Sure. I mean, you know, good old Ike, uh, you know, must be, uh, you know, you know, must be uh, a little happier now. Uh, I well. I, I don't know if it's him or Feige, but yeah, cause since that that stuff's been wrested from him, right? But at the end of the day, he still, you know, he still he still must be a little happy about. Oh, he doesn't have to worry about um, his publishing empire adv- uh, giving um, an advantage to uh, somebody else's bottom line. Mm. So, uh, you know, so so in a sense, he he is probably you know since we're dealing with the publishing side of it, true that uh, that you know the. The, the, the writers over at Marvel can can now uh, fully attack uh, the X Men corner of the world, and when I say attack, I literally mean you know setting up a brand new uh, you know I hate to quote uh, was it Aladdin a whole new world yeah, uh, definitely a, a different status quo than the than um, than the, the mutants have had in the last few years. Right. And what I've read, you know, Hickman let out a, a bunch of little uh, bits in, in, in the form of teasers. Yeah, uh, I didn't I, that stuff. I had not read them, but I had seen teases of uh, 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 of information through other sources, through secondary sources, not through anything, uh, or even tertiary sources, not through anything that I had read that he had put out. But sure. I, my understanding was that Krakoa was going to, to, uh, to, to be important, that uh, Doug Ramsey cipher was going to be important, and so far that's kind of true. And uh, well, more true on one end than the other that we know of. But definitely, Krakoa is is a big is, is a big deal. Sure. Which and also, we, which actually, I'm glad you brought that up because it also reminds me of like, wait, have they lived on Krakoa before? Because it felt like they've lived on every major continent on the on this Earth. Or in every major area in this in this con- in, on this earth, and I felt like Krakoa is someplace they'd already been. I mean, have resided, I should say. Um, Maybe temporarily. Yeah, I don't, I, but I don't remember off the bat, so I don't don't go in. But, but regardless, here we are, and the, and it's not the first time they've had their own little mutant um, island or hideaway. Not as necessarily a hideaway because it's out, just just kind of out there. But right, they're looking for recognition. They're literally. Looking to become, you know, uh, recognized, recognized yeah. exactly, recognized uh, uh, world power, you know, country mm-hmm. with borders. So, yep. um, 
there's a couple of, you know, and I rang the spoiler bell. There's a couple of interesting character developments here. You know, we, we without going into, well, let me rewind. Um, <laughs> because what I wanted to set up was that the, the possible conflict uh, that you can s- sort of see brewing. Because there are different parts of the island. There's different uh, aspects of mutant kind that are working together that you don't expect to be working together. Right. So that's definitely going to be a source of conflict going forward. There's going to be a source of conflict going forward with the rest of the superhero community uh, represented in this issue by the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, of course, you know the the conflict with humanity. That's that's it's you know Roddy Roddy Cat mentioned it right away because a contingency plan uh, decided to rear its head uh, during this issue and. See if there's anything else I can pick up in terms of like a broad brush setup before I get to the character stuff. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard because a lot of a lot of the the nitty gritty of it kind of deals in the setup. Yeah, and uh, well, I, I wanted to mention about the, the, the character developments. One of them was Mar- was Jean Grey. I was like, wow, that's a step back. back. Well, yeah, yeah, but but not the first time. Probably not the last. I guess. Yeah, because I agree with you. It's not. It's not the first time. Just they've kind of, kind of gone backwards on specifically with her. You know, with her, mm-hmm. in just in general. So, which leads to a question because I was because not just her, but with the, well, not necessarily. We know Charles Xavier. If well, those who've read Uncanny, uh, know that Charles Xavier was back, and I don't. And I'm only saying that. Because or, I was about to say the, the, the readers of Astonishing know how he came back, right? So Astonishing X Men was the story. In, yeah, was that Astonishing? Was that okay? So it was. Uh, yeah. It was Astonishing how we okay. got this particular this particular version of Xavier. Um, and again, uh, I rang the spoiler bell, but um, for those of you who, don't, who aren't in the know, this is the body of Phantom X and the mind of Charles Xavier running around. Right. Which which. You know, because those of us who didn't read Astonishing and mm-hmm. are starting to trying to catch up on Uncanny, which has probably may or may not have anything to do with this, um, you know, and you know, knowing that he's actually still around, and you know, right. So, so, so for right, so for I was about to say, so for uh, Roddy Cat's benefit as well, it's a good thing that uh, I'm going to tell you to not bother with Uncanny. <laughs> no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it anyway because okay. I kind of want to see how some things played out, regardless of whether they they're, they matter anymore. And then you'll and then you'll understand why I, I just started to get disenchanted with the whole series, right? And well, I, I felt that during the last couple of <laughs> sure. And uh, but I would also mention that if you wanted to at least get uh, a, a, a hold on what's going on with Xavier. Uh, circle back to uh, the uh, Astonishing X-Men, the, the most recent Astonishing X-Men on that had um, how this all came about. Sure. And also, which I already read up on, because at least I had gotten that far the, and already knew that, you know, Cyclops being back, which is, a, which is a small play here, but it does show up here. But, you know, and the fact that I, in doing that research, was like, wait, he's died twice in the last, like, three or four years? Mm-hmm. I'm like, so that's basically he has uh, 
he's basically up there with Gene at this point on deaths. More right. maybe people take, you know, and because there people always say, "Well, she's died the most," which is not true, but <laughs> um, but you know, there are there are. Which I'm, I'm I would be curious to see that uh, if somebody's made that list of like who's actually died the most out of the ex ex folks, right? But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there at this point because like so, yeah, we we've got all this exposition, all this uh, um, setup going on. We have what we we did see Charles Xavier. He was there. We didn't, which is weird, because normally, you know, he being the quote-unquote head of the group, classically, you would think he would be taking lead on some of the stuff, but since his return, I would imagine there has been some changes uh, with with that. Um, and I'm sure that will it will come into play is you know later down the line or somewhere during the course of the series. All right. My suspicion, my suspicion is that Xavier is behind a lot of this, but he may not be completely running it. Right, and the first, and which also brings to the point that there is maybe more to this whole thing than meets the eye. Because even in reading this, like. There are some things that like and people on board and all this other stuff that something seems like there's something else going on, like you like you just alluded to. Yeah, there's definitely something else seemingly going on here that I'm sure will rear its head at some point. Sure, we'll see who's on board and who's not. Uh, right. Also wanted to mention that uh, I, I it's funny, they actually did sort of set up Krakoa um earlier. Was it earlier this year they had like a, a one shot out about the origins of Krokoa and like and the Howling Commandos coming across? I actually picked up the issue physically because I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's that one note and 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 another another thing that I just thought of as I was scrolling through the book was um, the creation of a brand new organization, Orcus. Yes, um, you know. Uh, it's 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 a it's a weird cross section of a bunch of um, evil and not so evil and gray area organizations, right? Uh, that are made up of acronyms and um, some I'm not so familiar with. Well, at this point, most of those acronyms are not as necessary, especially particularly if we're talking AIM, has been less evil due to the fact of you know Bobby buying them and. Right. Them and all, all that kind of stuff. So, so and the, those are the pockets of that. There's like least I don't recall them saying Hydra in that mix anywhere. Oh, so, there's Hammer. Oh, they well, did. Yeah, Hydra. there. Hydra's there. Hydra was there. Okay. Yeah, so, Hydra's there. It's aim. Right. It's aim. Shield. Mm-hmm. Strike. Right. Sound like strike. Sword. Sword. Alpha flight. Hammer. Armor and Hydra. Yeah. Hammer and armor and yeah and uh, Hydra. Yeah, those would be the contentious ones. Right, so it was interesting that you know, like you mentioned earlier about how um, the the, st- the the design of this book had an explanation, uh, a, a prose and a graphic explanation of what just happened or what you're not familiar with right after the introduction of said thing. Yeah, which so, is cool because especially because even if you're coming here with some sort of knowledge on the X part of the world, this is a brand new ballpark, so right. you're. Was- gonna- I was gonna say it was useful. Yeah, absolutely. Because I absolutely was zooming in on the art, looking at those shoulder patches, like I don't recognize that pattern. 
Mm-hmm. And thankfully, thankfully, they explained it like pages later. Like, oh, by the way, here you go. <laughs> right. Like, try and stop trying to kill yourself there. Uh, 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 yeah, like, I got you. I got yeah. you. Don't worry about this. Relax, friendly reader. Exactly. Um, also, it is so going back to the, the familiar touches that I that I talked about earlier. There is a spaceborne component or a space uh, area component and an earthbound one, and having to do with plant life, alien plant life, or I guess in this case, mutant plant life being Krakoa. Mm-hmm. Hickman seems to love that because there was a, a good bit of that going in his in his affinity run, and including. Uh, a space platform which Tony had uh, had made or had cornered thing, which is apparently in the in the um, in the um, damage in the control of damage control, right? At this point, and they actually explain it away mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of this book and in canon. Well, you know, in, in oh yeah, well yeah, we can see how that happened because we even seen part of that come into play before, especially with uh, the richer stuff. So so basically, damage control got a hold of a bunch of stuff. Uh, that between Reed Richards and Tony Stark, uh, they could not keep their patents up on because neither one of them were around at the time. Right. One shape, way, shape, or form. So damage control took possession of them. It's kind of an interesting, you know, kind of an interesting play, right? Yeah. So I'm like, all right, that was smart. That was that was pretty smart. So, but uh, I I think uh, it's fair to say that this was a definite candidate for click of the week for myself and other folks on the uh, on the mm-hmm. review panel tonight. Um, yeah, and we will definitely with powers of X coming out next week. We will definitely have more to say about this book and that book. Uh, then there's even a healthy little reading order, which. Uh, Thankfully, you know, they, they, they seem to do that with certain stuff. Well, I, I mean, they do with that with all their events mm-hmm. or most of their events. But um, some of them, more than others, kind of get that treatment um, off the bat. All right. And this one is, is is one of them that has gotten it because at the back of the book, you see the reading order. So, like, look, we don't want you to get we don't we want to make sure you don't want to get lost here. And as to, and again, as Tickman's done on his ex, um, his um, Avengers run, he's doing two books, and they're, and they're interconnected. So, yep. you know, House of X and Powers of X are going to be needed to to um, be read, arguably simultaneously. Right, and we'll, and as we sort of wrap up our discussion on this, I wanted to mention that Pigman uh, uh, has brought back the Omega level mutant concept and has. Uh, adjusted it somewhat to his purpose and that seems to be part of the story moving forward. Yeah, I feel like somebody was missing off that list. Um, Ryder Cat's mentioning uh, that there's a list of about 12 or 13 uh, characters who are listed as Omega Level Mutants that are known, but I think that's what they get away with it. They're listed as known. But I'm saying there's one. I felt like there was one known mutant that's not on this list. That was a, I thought was a mega level. I could be wrong about that though. Okay. So because wasn't Scott um, a mega level? Or I could be wrong. And, and as a matter of fact, they even go to to, to add on what eight to seven said. They even go on to explain uh, what a mega level is and how it plays, and even the differences between a high powered, you know. Um, a high-powered mutant in in the 
as opposed to an Omega level. So that's pretty key right there. Right. And what Hickman plans to do with yes, uh, wouldn't bring that, that concept. Exactly. Because he's not bringing it up for, for no reason at all. Right. So this is going to be an interesting read going forward. It's a it's a pretty invigorating uh, uh, jolt to uh, any reader of the X-Men. I also have to give a shout out to the art team on yep. this because I feel a rest. Um, in, uh this and and another book that came out this week, I feel like it's not a criticism. It's more of you know, but it's more of a you know, but it's more of a an observation of uh, the evolution of uh, you know the constant evolution of the uh, what, what sort of exists as a Marvel style. You know, I've said early, I've said before that DC sort of has a house style. It's kind of reminiscent of Jim Lee, but adapted. Uh, you know, it's adapted and changed, you know, to, to kind of soften the lines a little bit. You know, you can see that in Ivan Rice. You can see that in some of the other um, artists that are working for DC nowadays. Um, you know, Pepe Larraz, I was going to say this new kid, uh, he's not new in the sense that he's uh, not new to comics. He's been Valiant exclusive up until now, but uh, the artist on Valkyrie number one this week, Cafu. Mm, actually, that's actually an acronym for his um, for like a bunch of names. He's uh, of Spanish descent, I think, or of uh, a Latin descent. I'm not sure from what country, but right. Um, In fact, uh, Cafu did, if I'm not mistaken, he did the for DC. He did the Heart of the Lion miniseries, uh, which was the Vixen miniseries with uh, G. Roller Wilson. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, because that's how I remember him from, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I just wanted to. I just wanted to just comment on the fact that what seems to, uh, it seems that the new Marvel house style is kind of in a, uh, uh, the, the natural evolution of Alan Davis and Brian Hitch, with like a touch, you know, like a touch of some Jim Lee influence, you know, like just in terms of the the, the, the overall aesthetic. But definitely, definitely influenced by Alan Davis, Brian Hitch. Would you say taking some chances? I'm just, I'm just talking about like the overall look of it. I mean, in terms of a house style, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty style. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're looking for. I, I don't know about taking chances. Maybe if I got, uh, if I had a, a better understanding of what you meant by that. Hmm. Well. We'll, I'm sure we will get into that at some point going forward because there, there's because there's going to be more op- more times where this is going to present itself. But for right now, um, I, we've run out House of X since you and since you mentioned that, let's get on to Viper number one. Sure, another big uh, number one launch this week, and or specifically Jane Foster Valkyrie number one. Is sure, uh, I have to say. I was pleasantly surprised by this issue. I enjoyed and it. And I should not have been once I realized that it was written by, it was co-written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing. Right, which I don't remember, and I'm pretty sure it was probably said, but I feel like the only name I remember seeing the last we talked about it being a thing was Jason Aaron, and maybe we overlooked the fact that it was Al Ewing on it then, right. and my fault if it did, but... But yeah, so which which basically means so we've already extolled the um the 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 um the 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 um 
you know, the the, the happiness we have of, of uh, Jason Aaron's writing on or playing the books. And we've also done the same with Al Ewing on his thing, uh, Immortal Hulk and other things in the past. But right. uh, Immortal Hulk is his big book right now. Sure. So uh, seeing them teamed up on this is a lot of fun. Like, there really is a lot of great, uh, you know, just writing in this. You know, right. a lot of great character development in this. Right, and before it's been, it's been, and speaking of that, going before uh, Immortal Hulk came out, a lot of um, Al Ewing's work had a lot of fun in it. Not saying that you know, for what it is, Immortal Hulk doesn't have his things on it, but it's definitely a different tone than a lot of his other works in the past. Oh, definitely, yeah. This is definitely yeah, more aligned with uh, U.S. Avengers and and that whole exactly that whole run. So I, you know, so and you can see those little touches in here between between uh, him and Aaron, and it made this issue, you know, that much enjoyable. Right, and shout out to the Fast and the Furious references <laughs> at the beginning of this book. I knew, I knew you weren't gonna, you were gonna overlook. There's that. no way. There's no way to avoid it. It's right at the front, and I, I, I really loved. I really, really loved that of all the villains that they that they decided to use in this. At the beginning, it was Blue Streak. Freak of all people, right? Of all characters from the pages of like Scourge era Captain America, you know, we're going way, way back into the canon and getting him, getting a crew for him, and making them spoiler alert three, two, one, making them the fast five. Yes, and I could not have been laughing louder to myself with my headphones on on the train when I read this. And of course, where there comes that with all that, there was also a furious joke that came a panel or two later. Oh, sure, because they got taken down. Mm Hmm. So that was that was that was all fun. Um, But with that. Yeah, it, it you know the, as a as a as a starting issue arc set of villains I'm like yeah sure why not you know Jane was out kind of stretching her legs you know testing out her new powers and what way to do it is with a crew of has been you know I I'll, I've kind of or, felt or, like, or never will be well yeah basically um, I felt like Marvel was kind of slowing down on their deep cuts because in the last few years it was like wow we've seen like a bunch of deep cuts just kind of come out the woodwork you know as far as character wise. Um, and I kind of felt like, and maybe it's been the stuff that I've been reading or whatnot, but it was like, wow, this has been slowing down on uh, characters kind of coming out from nowhere. And this is kind of them's like, no, nah, it's still, still going on. It's, it's, it's still here with that. But uh, that starts off, you know, with that. And we kind of get into, you know, Jane going on, on her life and her, and her new status quo. You know, we introduce a, a um, well, not reintroduce, we introduce, but um, we basically, if you've been reading Thor, I guess, and um, which, you know, if you haven't, sure, it's an introduction to um, co-characters of the, sh- uh, of the, of the, um, of this uh, book, or at least one in, in the form of Lisa, her friend. Right. You know. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're introduced to what Jane Foster's post Mighty Thor life was right up until the point where uh, the War of the Realms uh, messed everything up, but now has uh, given her this newfound character identity. So, 
um, you know, I thought that uh, you know, the story really did a good job of setting up where she is in life and what her thought process is as this newer hero um, who's not Thor, but is somebody completely different. And it does a good job of setting up both sides of her character, both her her secret identity side and her superhero side. And it, it, that's actually explored in this issue as well, which is a, a nice, it's a nice kind of throwback, but it's, but in this day and age of, uh, you know, it's even kind of, meta, there's some meta commentary right there in the book uh, about the, uh, the utility of a secret identity. Uh, it comes up as part of the story. Right. And, and from there it kind of goes on to, you know, as what at least this first arc is probably going to be her questioning what her role is going to be because she's been a Thor before, but and now she has this new title and role. And, right, it's uh, a job, right? Yeah, exactly. As a as a, a guest star, uh, as a guest cameo from the former Valkyrie, that which was cool to see, but also like, oh man, she's dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> But it's nice, you know. What's funny is that given, given the uh, the premise and what the Valkyrie does, it, it, it's kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, this particular character interaction and, and how how it is being set up moving forward. Um, there is a twist, basically, even giving her her first quest, or sure. in, in service of giving her her first quest. Right. There is a twist in this issue. That uh, I was very um, shocked to see. It's really well done, though. Um, we will see if it's a permanent twist or not. But uh, oh, you're referring to what happens at the end, right? Mm-hmm. All right. We will see if that's a permanent twist or not. But um, it's a it, it's great that uh, the introduction of the the, the the villain for the the ultimate villain, I guess, for this arc. Um, on the cliffhanger page at the end of the book was really well done, I thought. Because I, they kept it in the dark. From right. I, I suspect that's not the ultimate villain and just the one she's kind of up against until like, well, I was working with somebody else or something else is going, you know, something else is bigger is going on from this because it, it can't right. be that person. Right. What I was going to mean, what I was going to say is maybe for this arc, maybe not for the whole, you know, maybe not for the story. My distinct hope is that this book uh, is able to find some footing and lasts beyond, you know, an initial six or even a 12-issue run. Yeah, I was about to say, because there's at least one book this week that didn't make that. All right, there's a lot of competition out there um, for, uh, you know, trying to find a foothold. I, I sincerely hope that this book finds um, some, some some footing to I be able to uh, find, uh, you know, find a readership. Right, I suspect that since Aaron's writing this and, you know, and, and also uh, Ewing's writing this, I suspect this will probably, this could possibly have more legs than say, I wouldn't want to say the average book, but some other books were fair. Well, it's going to have the benefit of coming off of a solid stuck landing of the War of the Realms. Well, yeah, but we've seen books, I mean, no matter how good or bad the event comes out, there are books that have come out of events that don't necessarily Stick. Exactly. So, but yeah, that's the, the galaxy, you know. Well, you know, actually was meant to, but we don't we don't know if that was the case or not. Right, but at the end of the day, that's the whole. You know, is that the, yeah. the folks who are following War of the Realms might be uh, willing to add something else to their pull list and pick this up and give it some support. Yeah, at the very least, uh, readers of Thor. 
Well, Thor's going to be on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, there's going to be a bit of a gap between uh, uh, between now and the next issue and the start of King Thor, the right. last uh, the last miniseries for Jason Aaron on the character. So we'll see. My hope is that, like I said, my hope is that people uh, pick up this book. And I it's pretty strong. And since Jason Aaron is also writing Avengers, I feel like she'll probably show up there at one point in time. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite possible. You know. So anyway, but yeah, that's a, that's a that's a pretty strong start for that book. Hopefully, like like Agent Seven said, that will last. So now we will get on to the well, one of the there's one or two other. Well, actually, there's, there's like two or three other number ones. I know one of them you didn't read, but um, that happened this. Actually, you didn't read that one either, did you? Um, the Fillers. Did you read that? No, I didn't have a chance. To, I skimmed it real quick, but no chance to read it. Okay, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute then. But History of the Marvel Universe, you did do that one. No, I didn't make it. All right. I literally knocked out falling asleep. It was was such a daunting read. It's nothing against the book itself. I looked at it and I I thought, oh, uh, this looks impressive. This is going way, way back. And I just put my head back. So we'll get to that one after we do this next one then. Swordmaster number one. Sure. Uh, so that we both read. So this is so Swordmaster is one of the new agents of Atlas, um, and and was poised to get uh, this a miniseries of his own. Unlike not unlike uh, Arrow and whoever else is getting. I know there's going to be a couple other people getting books like Wave. I think. Right? Yeah. Are they in the? Is Wave in the new solicits? Because Wave's not. Wave hasn't had a book. It doesn't have a book yet. It's just Arrow. I wonder if Wave was in the solicits of uh, Swordmaster. For I don't I could just want to saw a solicitor for the way, but I may may or may not be wrong. Okay, let's take a look at it. So, so yeah. Swordmaster, um, it, it, just as Arrow as Arrow was, um, is a, a book that was that, that's based on a story that's been previously written um, for uh, an overseas audience, a, a Chinese audience, and uh, is now being adapted to. Uh, you know, for for uh, English readers by Greg Pak. So the first half of this book is an adaptation of a previously written story, and uh, Roddy Cat and I were discussing this just before going on the air. Um, it would be nice to have access to the original, you know, story if, yeah. just to punch it into Google Translate and see how it translates. Or if even if somebody was nice enough to do a fan translate, which sometimes are, can be good or bad, but yeah, if if we could just get our hands on material some kind of way and, and get some translation on it and right out. see what right. the differences are, right? And shout out to uh, computerized uh, pronunciation because it helped me figure out that it's pronounced the Lin Leah. Um, okay, so we can move forward from there now that we know that that's how it's. Pronounced. Exactly. Yeah, that that because that was one. I was like, wait, Lin Lee, Lin Lee, Lin Bo. Oh, yeah, okay. it's 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 a light. It's like uh, not not quite like uh, Leah Thompson or Leah Remini, right? It's, right. it's a little softer, but right. it, that's the sound. And it's not lie. We knew right. that. Exactly. Like they can't be lie. <laughs> I've known plenty of Asian folks, but the thing right. is. You know, Even I knew that wasn't the case. So right, exactly. Like, there's just no way that can be the case. So if you just look it up online, it's like, oh, okay, so it's Leah. Right. So that being the case, um, yeah, go ahead and and, and kind of get the nuts and bolts on. Right. That. So 
what, what's funny is that the the opening page for this, uh, as in all Marvel books, sets the stage, and it's really a great summary for the first part of this book. Um, we have uh, uh, Lin Lia, um, the son of uh, an archaeologist, and um, the archaeologist and Lia's uh, brother um, have disappeared as a result of um, an expedition. And um, uh, Leah is uh, going to investigate. And that's part of the story. That, that's the quest that he's on. And um, uh, Leah's father has brought home an ancient sword, uh, an ancient magic sword, um, just before disappearing. And that is probably part of the mystery. So that's really where uh, the first uh, original story goes, it kind of goes into the beginnings of his investigation into their disappearance. You know, that's really the, the, the nuts and bolts of it. There's a twist at the end, which is interesting. Um, you know, involving uh, a possible message from, uh, from his father. So we'll see where that goes. And the second half of the book is um, following uh, uh, the now christened Swordmaster uh, in his travels to the United States after the events of uh, New Agents of Atlas uh, during the War of the Realms. Mm -hmm. And speaking of War of the Realms, uh, there is a character that we find out at the end of that little uh, backup story that, that was also in War of the Realms uh, that has uh, got his eyes on Young Lin, apparently. Right, and we're, we're just trying to figure out, all right, so what kind of game is is this character up to now? Because the last time we saw him, he was all cuddly and, 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 and whatnot. Right, he had, a, he, had a, he had a change of heart with what he was doing at the time. Right, now he's not looking so cuddly. Right, which, but given this character's background, I mean, it's not that surprising. In fact, if we had thought about it, probably if you had thought about it from, from the reading the... Um, the front of this book, the first issue was like, well, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain uh, title that gets called up that, you know, also video gamers may may know in a certain, uh, most specifically Sony gamers might, might also know the title in, a, in another light. But I guess we could have seen this come up and that, I'm sure that's going to play into the person's reasonings for being here. Sure. Said. We just don't know how just yet, but... And maybe that'll show, play into whatever that uh, Atlas book is going to uh, be, uh, or maybe not. And maybe this could be just central to, to him. Right. So it's an interesting it's a, it's an interesting way to start these um, the the introduction of these books into the uh, mainstream Marvel universe, um, u- utilizing uh, fairly strong backup stories, which is which is you know the uh, the American audience is more likely to uh, to latch onto. Mm. While giving us an, a taste and introduction to the original stories, indeed. And that being, I was about to say, traditionally might be flipped around. Yeah, yep. you know, where, where, whereas the, uh, you know, the maybe what, what we would have seen years ago is the uh, uh, the Americanized story leading, and the adapted story being the backup story. Yeah. So I'm going to take, uh, now that we've done that one, I'm going to take this opportunity to, because I know we're, we're going to have a, a, a guest in here in a, in a minute or two, 
to do a couple of books that I know you didn't read, and then I think we'll go from there and do like the one or two other books that we. You, yeah, it's rapid fire. You got it. Yeah, and then get onto that. So I'm going to go with uh, Batman: Curse of the White Knight number one, which is the sequel to Batman: White Knight uh, by Sean Gordon Murphy. I have said I, the whole time I was reading that first one, I love that story, and I still say um, you should go check that out if you're a Batman fan. It's kind of a flip. Oh, there we go, and he's. And we are one welcomed by one friend of the show, Matt Wang. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome. Doing fine. As we said, Matt here is, is a friend of the show. We but we caught him on specifically, which we obviously we would have him on anytime he would he would be welcome to come on, but I know he's a busy man. Because he was just at the San Diego Comic Convention, and we wanted to get his impressions and and whatnot um, from the show, you know, kind of kind of pick his brains. We like to have him on for especially for that kind of stuff, but just in general, right? It's it's a great it's a great thing to have someone who is uh, who's an experienced attendee of the San Diego Comic Con, you know. <laughs> Right, you can give us some insight on uh, you know how how things have changed and, and and how the show is doing right now. Yeah, you know, um, I know I, I I was mentioning to you guys off the show, uh, like or before the show, that um, you know I definitely felt some noticeable differences this year. Uh, I I think very positively for comic book fans. Um, you know, the they actually shut off traffic, car traffic on Harbor. So you know when you're just like crossing the street. Like you weren't, uh, there were no buses, they cut the car traffic. So actually like crossing the highway, which was like a big issue because for those of you who have not been to San Diego Comic-Con, they're only, for pedestrians, there are only three ways to get off the block in the convention center. It's like the two ends and then there's one um, kind of a bottleneck in the middle, but because there was no, there was no car traffic, you're, you know, they were laying you across the street and, you know, there's a lot of security, a lot of police over there. And um, it was really nice, right? Like you were able to cross the street very quick, quickly. Um, and I know that sounds really silly, but logistically, like it, it, it you know, you're, you felt connected to the rest of the, the uh, convention that was happening right in the gas lamp district on fifth street. You know, for those you don't know on fifth street, that's where, you know, the hard rock is and, that's where NBC will set up. Um, there are a lot of events there. There are a lot of like free things for people to do, and uh, it felt like they did a really good job with crowd control, um, you know. And so all the areas around Comic Con were um, one just easy to get. It was easy to get around. It was easy to navigate, um, and it felt like they really had a handle on the crowds, which. Um, I know it sounds kind of silly, but um, as someone who's been going since um, 04, um, it just felt like uh, um, a refreshing experience. Um, I think also, you know, for me, um, one of the noticeable changes was the, the D, they got rid of the DC, DC decided to pull out um, from their booth in the last minute. Wow. Um, and um, they merged with the Warner Brothers booth. Ah, which, mm. I think the sad part was, you know, all the, so all the artist signings got moved to the Warner Brothers booth. And um, it was just like, there was a presence that seemed to be missing in the center. And, 
you know, a lot of people were trying to fill that void, but I think it was so, so last minute that a lot of people didn't adjust properly. So the, you know, the image booth got a little bit bigger, it felt like Sideshow got a little bit bigger, but I think next year you'll see them adapt a little bit better, but um, definitely the center of the show felt a little bit emptier. Okay. Um, kind, of, that, sort of, kind of like uh, Sony pulling out of A3? Yeah, yes, it, it, it felt like that. Mm. Um, but it was cool though to see some of the comic book stuff merge with the Warner Brothers booth because I got to see um, John Riamita Jr. interview Frank Miller. And it was very intimate. Like, I was like, maybe there were like six people in front of me watching this interview. Nice. Um, I think for, I think another noticeable difference is that uh, the movies weren't as prominent, but the TV shows that were comic book focused were very prominent or genre focused. And that was really nice. So um, I was chatting with someone, uh, uh, a gentleman who owns uh, like a major IP, and he made the same observation that um, the TV shows were out in force. It was the movies that you didn't see a lot of movie promotion. It was all it was all TV, and you mm-hmm. felt that in the panels as well, right? Whether it was like Star Trek or Game of Thrones or The Expanse, like the major emphasis by like kind of like my reporter friends and just other people were the TV shows, which. I think that's better for kind of the long-term growth of the comic book community. Right. And I know we have some news about whether that has anything to do with it or not, but uh, the whole, you know, the DC universe merging with that, uh, the HBO now stuff with their, their whole merging with that stuff and may or may not have, you know, HBO max, HBO max. Correct. Yes. So which I know we have the news on that later on, I think, but, um, well, it's interesting that, and 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 you know, for 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 uh, the, the information of the, the the kind folks who are watching and listening, um, Matt wasn't uh, around for Saturday at the Comic Con, right? Yeah, no, I, I left late Friday night. I, right. Uh, yeah, and so uh, so the caveat here is that uh, obviously the big announcements um, that came out of uh, Marvel on Saturday kind of kind of lend what you said some credence because they're still obviously pushing a lot of their television programming through Disney Plus but their you know their their movie content their movie uh content is uh being pushed off for at least another uh you know year plus you know we're talking about over the next few years so maybe not me we're not going to see anything immediate yeah, no, and you know, one one other thing that I, I noticed just chatting with, you know, comic book publishers, um, you know, both kind of independent major ones like on the floor, especially ones who are selling stuff on the floor, is that Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday were very good days for them. Mm. Um, Friday was okay, but, you know, uh, and then afterwards, like, it sort of like, it felt like Saturday and Sunday weren't so great, but for like the comic book, retailers, the publishers, you know, the ones I was talking to, they felt like preview night and Thursday were there were much better than last year. Okay. Um, Friday was like, it felt like Friday was flat to last year, but then like, you know, texting with people on Saturday felt like Saturday was definitely a little slower and, you know, kind of the earlier days are when people brought their wallets out. (laughs) As if they got 
they basically got the business stuff out of the way those first couple of days and then just kind of let the, the rest of the convention be whatever. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you guys all both know, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time online on Wednesday and Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate that. We appreciate it. We appreciate you for uh, spending that time, the, the time on those lines. Yeah. I, no, we, I, we try not to uh, overstep. Yes. No, no, you should, because I actually, I love being on those lines, because, like, everyone's really nice on those, especially the Hasbro line. Everyone's so nice on that, and we're all, like, um, commercializing and, and talking about what we're buying, and I'm always happy to help you guys out with that, and uh, it, 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 you know, it gives me an excuse to buy my stuff. Don't tell my <laughs> It's only on the internet. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of that, because I, if I remember correctly, last year they implemented some changes to the Hasbro, the way Hasbro did their line and stuff, right? Yeah, and, and you saw it this year with um, um, for exclusives this year for the major ones like Lego, Hasbro, Mattel, um, Funko. You basically got a lot. You you basically put your name in a raffle, hmm. and for most, and even a lot of the signings. Like I actually screwed up the Tom King. Mitch Gerard signing, like because of, they changed the rules. But um, so you got to um, for Hasbro and Mattel and Lego, or for a bunch of them, you got um, they told you exactly what time to show up, and then you got there, and then you had to line up again, and then they get you back on. Um, for the DC stuff, you had to get online again, and then get a wristband to go for the signing. Right. And you missed that, you were screwed. Like I, I missed that, so right. I, I didn't read the fine print there. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that's unfortunate because that's happened at uh, New York recently over the last few years, especially with Tom King signings, where you have to show up as early as possible, get a wristband, you know, be amongst the first you know two hundred people to get a wristband, and then they tell you what time to come back during the day with your wristband on. Well, he's going to be. I just found out he's going to be at that um, con in Connecticut at um, Terrific Con. Yeah, Mohegan Sun. So that I, I know you're the one who taught me about that, and he'll be there. <laughs> Listen, without just a, a small uh, deviation from our course, that Terrific Con lineup. Uh, you know, and we're not getting paid to shill, but that Terrific Con lineup uh, is two or even three times better than it was last year. And that's a huge, you know, you know, last year I drove up there just to get to Alan Davis. And guess what? They've got Alan Davis again. Hmm. Um, and there are some huge, huge names. The, uh, the proprietor of uh, Terrificon has reinvested all the money that he's gotten, over, you know, like from, from last year and the previous iterations to really go all out. And it's a tremendously impressive lineup. So, Well, um, speaking of Neil Adams, I had a great story. for he, uh, Sorry, Alan Davis. Alan Davis was at... New York Comic Con, and I missed out because I, I kind of screwed up because of my timing. He was at the the, the Hero Initiative booth, mm-hmm. and he was doing sketches for a hundred dollars. And the line it was only single digits of there were only single digits of people online. Wow, wow! And I, I was like I was like the problem was like I I kept having to run away from it, and um, I that's like one of the regrets I have from New York Comic Con. But I got some other good. Um, sure. I met a bunch of other artists and got some nice commissions and signings. So, one of these days we have to get you on to get you to, to see your collection because I am very curious of that. You must have bunches of swag. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I, I have some great. I, I I'll, I'll send you guys my list of original art. Um, but you know, I don't have all of it framed, and um, I have um these sketchbooks for my my girls, and I get um artists to draw pictures there. Some you know I commission, some just do it for free. Um, so I have some nice pieces. Um, this year I got um Jim Califore to do Wonder Woman. I did. Uh, I had a Gene Ha piece. By the way, Gene Ha is super nice. Oh my god. I spent a lot of time with like him and his wife, and they're super nice people. So if you ever go to a convention, just buy his book May M A E, and um, he was doing sketches for anyone who bought it uh, of like whatever you wanted. And um, um, uh, who else do I meet? this year? Um, Jeff Brown, who did who who did the Star Wars children's book Vader's Little Princess. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a, a beautiful sketch. Um, and then uh, Katie Cook who does the children's Star Wars books, like Star Wars ABCs and Star Wars 1, 2, 3. She, I mean, she has one of the longest lines, both at New York and San Diego Comic-Con. It's, uh, wow. yeah, right. she's, her line is always like, it feels very, it's always like 10 to 12 deep. All right. <laughs> All right. I so, mean, what's funny okay. is that, just, just as a quick aside, when you're standing on, li- on one of those lines, you don't get to see a lot of the other lines. Right. So if you're if you're hunting for a specific uh, signature or, or, or autograph or or, a, or commission or, or, or whatnot, and you find yourself stuck on a line, you often miss out on the rest of the show. You know, kind of what you were alluding to earlier with standing online at, at the Hasbro booth. Um, you know, I I I, uh, I was at East Coast Comic Con earlier in the spring, and uh, I was online uh, waiting for George Perez to sign my stuff for. It was the better part of the afternoon. So, you know, I definitely did not have a chance to really do much else, but that's what I was there to do. So. Yeah. Cool. So I guess uh, a couple of questions I have. One is a curiosity. So I don't think we've seen any numbers from San Diego yet as far as, um, you know, um, how many people were there. So did it seem like it had grown? Because well, it's usually a big show anyway, so that that's goes without saying, but... And you did say they kind of managed a couple of things a little bit better with, you know, getting in and out of it. So did the, how did it, how was it looking to you in the spot? Um, it definitely felt lighter, but as I said, like they've done a better job of managing the lines and the people and the crowd. So I, that it's hard for me to judge, sure. but it only felt much easier to navigate, except like there are certain times during Thursday and Friday where you're going through the kind of the center aisle especially going through, like, the Star Wars booth or Lego, it bunches up. Gotcha. So what, I guess, what would be the one of your favorite things that you saw or got into and the show outside of, you know, I know you said, like, seeing the people and getting online with your your folks in Hasbro. Like, I'm pretty sure, I feel like you've probably seen some of the same people in that that line from from previous years or something. Um, I I think what's nice about the show, which is a little bit different from your Comic-Con, is that um, San Diego is not a big place, so mm-hmm. you just wander around and you just like bump into people. Like I'm pretty sure, and I should have stopped him. I like walked by Jim Starlin, and like, I, and I should have stopped and said hello. Like um, another time, I was the escalator, and Peter David was standing right in front of me, and he's like one of my favorite writers. So when we got off the escalator, I was like, you know, Peter, you know, I I, I love you, and you know, I. Um, I always buy something from your booth. I didn't realize you didn't have a booth this year. I didn't know you were coming, and I'll see you in New York Comic Con. 
right? So, um, and I think that's a really funny part, right? Or a great part about San Diego is so small. Like you walk down the street, like um, I was on the Hasbro line and one of the characters from like, character actors from Chuck walked by and I almost like got offline and take a picture with them, you know? So like, that's really cool. Gotcha. I mean, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, the jaded New Yorker in you, man. You know, we walk past people all the time like, ah, how you doing? We're not trying to stop people to get selfies. But no, we but got, I did. We got I, places to go to just like they do. I did. So I, I was, you know, I, I went to the Skybound Walking Dead bourbon launch party. And um, all right. I saw um, uh, Malcolm Barrett from Timeless and uh, Preacher. And it turned out he went to the same high school as Agent 70 and I. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I knew that. So I approached him. I was like, hey. And he was really nice. I was like, I, you know, my name's Matt. Um, you went to Stuyvesant, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I went there too. And I told my class. And I was like, and I, because I knew what class he was part of. And, you know, we took a picture together. And he was so gracious. He was so nice. Um, but, yeah, that, you know, I, I try not to fanboy too much around people. <laughs> but, um, that, that was cool. Going way across country just to see people you, you possibly could have gone to school. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I I don't know if you noticed I I um when I flew out there I sat next to uh, Carrie Preston, who's from True Blood, Claws, um, Good Wife, Good Fight, and um, uh, I sat next to her and I realized her husband was sitting behind her, and I offered them my seat, but they both I guess wanted to sit next to the window. So her husband's <laughs> Michael, her husband's Michael Emerson, who who's Ben Linus on Lost, and uh, also from uh, Person of Interest. Gotcha. So. Yeah, I think I do remember seeing you saying something about your your or people that were on your flight, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah, yeah. And Agent M from Marvel was on my yeah, flight. Yeah, Marvel was on yeah. my flight. So, I was like, wow, you caught the good one. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Everyone heading out to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Um, I had another because I know there was a couple of things you wanted to bring up. I think you might have touched on. Well, I mean, we yeah. touched on most of it. I mean, I was wondering if you got anything. If did you have anything? Uh, any any uh, guess that you wanted to see in particular that you're able to get to? I mean, you said you missed out on the Tom King signing, right? Yeah, um, I missed out on the Tom King signing, but you know, I saw Hodor DJ. Got to hang out with my friend Danielle Page, who okay. wrote, who wrote the Mara Tiebreaker graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Was an old college friend of mine. Um, you guys should definitely have her on the show. Yeah, she's she's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I think you had that on your Instagram, or somebody yeah. had that on Instagram, and you retweeted one of the two that are uh, from that party. Right. Um, and then, oh yeah, from that. Um, but uh, just trying to think, what what do I regret? I mean, it, it's just like panels are hard. You, you you definitely have to commit to panels. Like I was committed to exclusives and hang out with artists, right? And that's what I was doing. And I think that's the thing about San Diego. You you need to commit to something like new york, I, new york has gotten that way as well because there's only so much time in the day and a lot of that takes up a lot of time you know going going to a panel waiting online for a panel getting seated into a panel all that stuff takes time away from what you could be doing with you know artists and and doing other things so it's it's a precarious balancing act so it sounds like it's similar in that yeah. right so I guess that kind of begs the question, going back to something that I was kind of curious about, does it, from what you could tell, does it seem like the atmosphere, because, you know, the atmosphere for between 
shifts usually shifts between the comics and the entertainment stuff. And entertainment seems to have been gotten has grown in the last few years. But have you seen it to where it looks like it might be balancing out now? Yes, or, on that it, show? It, I I definitely feel like it. Um, interesting, interesting. It, which is it, it, you know I think it's getting to an equilibrium where you know if you're a comic fan you'll find the stuff you like. I felt like the the small press area and the independent area was getting up. They were getting a lot of traffic, and those guys who have gotten a lot, a little bit smarter about social media, whether they they raise money on Kickstarter. So I, I definitely went there to back um, and buy some stuff from small press guys and support mm-hmm. them. And it definitely feels like they're trying hard to make sure that the comic part is still very prominent. You know, um, you know, felt like you know, the silver age dealers and the golden age dealers were still talking to their customers. Maybe they weren't buying as much, but they're in contact with them and they felt like they were getting good traffic. Um, I think the, where you saw, you, you know, what changed is like the mile high comics, right? Where they used to have like tons of space selling graphic novels. I, I felt like those dealers, they weren't, they weren't as round as, as much. Okay. As much specialized focused ones who mm-hmm. were, you know, selling comic book, like specific Silver Age comics or comic book art or um, other comic book merchandise that weren't um, just, you know, back issues or graphic novels were doing great. And that they, they've, those retailers have died down. Like the, the, the typical comic book retailer, I think um, their presence has died down at Comic-Con. It's been a little, the guys who are a little bit more specialized, whether they're selling you know, action figures or, you know, um, lightsabers or costumes. Like, those guys have been doing well there. Right. You're still seeing plenty of uh, CGC, you know, graded type of uh, oh, yeah. books. Yeah, I mean, that's gotten to be a really big business. Uh, you see lots of people with, their, with those slap books um, uh, on display. Um, I was going to ask, what was the uh, what was your impression of the cosplay? Yeah, there you go. Um, I saw some really good ones, but it definitely felt it felt there were less elaborate cosplayers than I've seen in previous years. Really? Was it anything to do with the weather or anything practical or? I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I, I mean, I, I saw a really cool one, you know, I'm a big Hulkbuster fan and I saw a two part costume where someone, sure. someone was walking as the bottom part of the Hulkbuster and someone else was the top part of the <laughs> And then they had, they had someone with them helping clear out the crowds. That's but, um, I, I felt like the last New York Comic Con had more elaborate costumes. Really? Than, okay. Um, like intricate complex costumes. I saw some sure. cool ones. Um, you know, a lot of story you get a lot of stormtroopers, a lot of Harley Quinns. Um, you know, I I saw really good costumes. They were just a little bit more on the I wouldn't call it simplistic, but I got gotcha. you. Um, not as complex, right? Sure. I mean, did you see any any costumes that were particularly popular? You know, obviously we're coming off of Endgame and even Far From Home. Uh, you know, did you see like a plethora of you know uh, new costume Spideys or something like that? A lot of Into the Spider Verse. Ah, nice. A lot of like Miles Morales or um, you know old Peter Parker. Oh uh, gosh, yeah, I've seen a couple of pictures of those. Yeah. I saw some really good Spider Gwens, like really good ones. Nice. I mean, you know, that was popular even before. You know, like I think with the the, the advanced solicits, I think the book had been out for 
the uh, the original Enter the Spider-Verse appearance of, of Spider-Man had only been out for maybe a few months and already mm -hmm. at New York Comic Con there were some phenomenal Spider-Man costumes out there. So yeah. that's that, that's that's not uh, not too surprising. But uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by uh, uh, by uh, uh, what we call it. Um, uh, I don't want to call him Fat Spider-Man, but you know, like uh, what is it? Peter, B. Yeah. Yeah, Peter B. Parker, right, right, right? Peter B. Parker with the sweatpants because you know. Yeah. I saw I saw a picture of this was which struck me kind of funny. There was a an Indiana Jones, which was like okay, I don't normally expect to see that there, I guess. But the boulder behind them. That was a good one. Oh my gosh! So there's still there's still some interesting ones there. I haven't seen like all of the pictures, or or at least a good couple of the pictures, but the couple that I have seen from the show is like all right, there's there's a couple of pretty good ones. Like I said, a couple of Peter B's and. So what not? So cool. well, I'm glad to hear that it's not as uh, you know you're you're there. Admittedly, you're you're there on um, the earlier days. Um, I'm inter I, I would be interested to see what the difference was on Saturday because I know you do it on purpose. Uh, you actually get out of there before it gets too crazy on Saturday. Whereas uh, you know uh, uh, here in New York, we dive into that like hey first, you know. We're like wading into that, like literally wading into the crowds at New York Comic Con on Saturday. Um, so I'd be interested to see what you know what the difference is. But it's nice to hear that they're doing some crowd control, and we can attest to uh, New York doing a little bit of that. It's still not easy because where it's a bigger city, and it's not as easy for them to shut down Tenth Avenue to uh, you know to, to, to help with uh, pedestrian traffic. But I think Javits Center, the setup's a lot better, where there are multiple exits out of the Javits Center. With San Diego, there are multiple exits, but to cross the street, there are only three. I see. Right? So with the Javits Center, you know, you know, Agent 70 and I are big jaywalkers. We'll just cross the street. <laughs> where we can. Typical yeah. New Yorker. Exactly. I mean, they, they, they've, done a, they've done a decent job recently of putting up barricades to, have to prevent some of that. But if you know your way around a barricade, you can just, you know, you just got to get through. Um, I, I would mention that uh, I don't know. I have not been up on uh, the progress of the construction of the new building at the Javits Center that would take the place of the former, what, what I used to lovingly call the aircraft hangar, um, mm -hmm. where the uh, artist alley used to be uh, uh, located. And... I don't know if that's done yet, so we'll see what that's like in October. So that that's a big, the one of the big reasons I love New York Comic Con is Artist Alley, and the Artist Alley in San Diego is uh, compared to the Artist Alley in New York. And part of my term, part of my use of language here is, I, I would call San Diego it's almost like the Artist Ghetto. Ooh. You know, it's just not as. Oh, shots fired! Shots fired! It's like twenty percent of the size. Wow. Of, of Artist Alley in New York. Um, yes, they are getting for free, but it, it feels much more like an afterthought and not mm. um, like premium space. Gotcha. And, um, I, I think they finally stabilized it a little bit, but, um, you know, I, it, when you go to New York Comic Con, the Artist Alley there feels like, you know, there's a lot of love there. A right. lot of, like, um, uh, fan love. 
right. for the creators. Yeah. yeah, the last couple of years have been tough because of the because of the construction and because they've had to reper- they've had to rejigger the uh, the layout a little. But, but um, it's a lot. It's still a lot of room. I guess it was a little warm. I guess the first year that they did it, it was a little warm. They had some trouble getting the AC down there, but I think. Yeah, just the year after, Take it <laughs> but the year after, but but uh, that was two years ago. So this past year was was a lot better. I, I definitely uh, appreciated that they uh, that they uh, uh, worked on that. And they've also um, moved the uh, the anime stuff around. You know, unfortunately, it was off site. Um, uh, last year and this year, I think it's uh, offsite but closer. Mm-hmm. So, at least from what I know, so um, you know they're, they're constantly working to uh, to evolve. So it's interesting to to see how um, the artist alley at San Diego, at least in your opinion, seems to have been uh, uh, lessened. The impact of it has been lessened somewhat over the years. So that's disappointing to hear about the DC booth. Um, that's a, that seems like it's a trend for them as well, like kind of downsizing uh, yeah, I, uh, conventions. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it was the 80th anniversary of Batman, so it felt like they were focusing a lot on, on the events at, like, Balboa Park and, you know, stuff off-site. So okay. maybe that's reasoning. I guess we'll see at near Comic-Con what, how, what kind of presence DC has there. Because right. Warner Brothers doesn't really have a presence there, so who knows? Right. Did you see anybody rocking the um, the Kickstarter Batman backpack? No, that not artist backpack. You talking about the Jim Lee backpack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was curious. No, no, not yet. I don't think they're out. Like I thought, yeah, like my survey. Oh, okay. Just wondering. I know that the Kickstarter was was funded. I wasn't sure if they had been released yet. So. It was funded multiple times. I, you know, right. Jim Lee has his, you know, hands in everything. Exactly. exactly. Which, is, which is good, but you know, like. Hey, mobile to it, I guess. Well, listen, I, 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 I've said it on the show uh, before. The, the, the biggest uh, draw for me, I, I didn't, I didn't kickstart, I didn't provide any funds for the Kickstarter. But one of the tempting aspects of the bag that he had designed was that uh, it fit an actual portfolio. Mm-hmm. So not only could you, if you were a, uh, an aspiring artist, put your entire portfolio into your backpack and be able to rock that and, and, and carry that comfortably around. But if you're but if you're just using that portfolio to transport prints, that's almost worth the hassle because it's 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 almost you know you you'll pay for that bag you know like in, in like one con because you'll have your prints ready and not have to constantly buy those awful plastic sleeves that uh, seem to pile up. Um, I've got a pile that I don't want to look at in my home office uh, of those plastic sleeves to bring home um, uh, prints in. Oh, so, so I've been hanging out the flip art guys. So, they, you know, you've been supporting them with your plastic sleeve purchases at New York and New York Comic Con. What's that? The the guys who saw it in your Comic Con. I was right. hanging out with them. I was I hung out with them in San Diego. They're Philly guys, like so. They're friends of friends. I gotcha. I got. Well, listen, they're they're always friendly and they understand. You're just like kind of walking to them at the end of the day with the bare the the bare essentials of money that you have in your wallet. Like, oh man. I got to buy one of these, you know? So, um, I will say, I forgot to tell you, one of the highlights of the show for me, though, was meeting George Sakai and t- chatting with him. Nice. So he, he was doing a signing at the at Top Shelf, and right. at the Top Shelf IDW booth. And um, I, I, I got the, uh, I have the soft cover, and then, but then I also got the hardcover limited edition, and which allowed me to get online to, um, get a signing from him and I chatted with him for like a minute or two and 
you know, he's super nice and just told him like how much I've appreciated him over the years. Kidding me, he was the only Asian representation we had for years. Yeah. You know. So that's awesome. Um any other you know notable things from the show that you want to um you know you want to bring out your because um, you said that the the, the vendor section was kind of kind of light did you get any find any good book, book deals <laughs> or anything or did you even go over there with that, that no I, I kind of spent my book money on on a small press in the uh support them so okay. you know um uh you know you know i heard a lot of stuff that i can't talk about um you know, I will say the uh, you know if you if you like bourbon, the Walking Dead bourbon is really good. So, hmm. is that out out? No. I think you can order it now. Pre-order it now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, think I do remember that story. And I was speaking of going back to that backpack. Yeah, the, it supposed uh, the estimated delivery was or is this month. So I don't know if they actually. Been yeah, it probably wasn't. Yeah, it probably wasn't in time for uh, for the con. But I was curious. I'm curious. You know, that's going to be something I'm going to be looking for in uh, in October. At New York, so right. Um, all right, I'll, I'll wear I'll wear it to the con with you, and you can take a picture with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! When y'all going to board Explorer or something? What's what's going? What what what's what's the move for this year? <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think if uh, if there's anything else I want to ask. I'm always curious about San Diego. It's it's, it's still yeah. a bucket. It's a bucket list thing for myself. I know you. You know, it, it's cool that uh, Matt's a regular. Um, it's still a bucket yeah. list thing for me. But um, yeah, one of these years, hopefully, we will get out there. And I guess I should go and say, like, uh, despite what Agent Seventy said earlier, we're not getting paid for any of this. <laughs> <laughs> we just do this for the love. But hopefully, one of these days, we'll you know. Some kind of way we'll get out there and I'll get up to New York or something. You can, you can, you can, you can, in San Diego, you can always crash in my room, crash on the floor, crash on the couch. Man, I'm just doing that at a con, so that ain't... <laughs> That's funny. Maybe one of these days. Yeah, like with any luck, uh, you know, we'll get our man uh, at TimDog98 to uh, meet up with you at uh, San Diego sooner rather than later. Since yeah. we did, since we did meet him at, and uh, New York, so. Yeah, he'll yeah. probably be the one out of all of us to to, to get over there. Yeah, I, 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 and you know, one the two cons I want to go to um, in the future that uh, I think you guys go to are Heroes Con and Dragon Con. Yes, yes. I haven't been to Dragon Con in, in, a, in a couple, and I didn't get to go to Heroes this year. Um, but yeah, that 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 is because one that's closer to me, and well, both of them are closer to me. But yeah, those are those right. great cons. I, I definitely would like to get to Heroes. Um, one of the one of the cons that um, isn't um, very movie centric is Baltimore, and I gotta make I gotta make time to uh, to head down there. That's obviously something that we can drive to, so it's not it's not nearly as difficult. So yeah, I've heard do some things work on Baltimore. Yeah. So uh, you know that that's definitely something to uh, to keep on my list. That's not a bucket listing because that's definitely something I can make happen even at the last second. So, oh. um, but that's yeah, that's definitely a thought. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that uh, that I heard coming out of uh, San Diego. Yeah, because most of the stuff we got is like basically new stuff, and I know you you I don't know how much you've kept up on it, and we we hadn't gotten to that section yet though. But I'll yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in from what what I've heard, and you know, and you know, happy happy to stay on, and uh, you know, uh, give more tidbits uh, as they come up as they pop up in my head. 
Sweet. Um, well, that being the case, let's go, go ahead and, and get back to these books. And so have you, I don't suppose you had any chance to read anything this week. Uh, House of X. Oh, sweet. What's your, what's your thoughts? Because we, we just actually finished that uh, not too long before you got on. Um, it is, it, it, you know, it, it's going to sound really sacrilegious. It felt much better than his Avengers. Okay. Oh, no, shots fired. Go. Get out. Get out. Shots fired. I mean, I mean the, the, the design, it felt like, um, have you read a lot of his image stuff? Like uh, something of his, but I don't know. I don't. I've only read the Marvel stuff, but I started when he was doing FF. So like before, all these guys uh, uh, read the Hickmans were reading um, anything Hickman. I was reading the FF stuff. So um, if you look at his like Pax Romana, um, uh, uh, his Mars book, uh, his Mars book, and you know the the design elements like for his. You know his chapter separators, right? It, like that reminded me of his image books and a lot of the iconography that he was doing with Avengers, right? Like especially in the mm-hmm. beginning, um, you know, like every character had a logo, right? You know, um, and that was great, and the logos were awesome, but it felt like, um, you know, in, in House of X, like you know, he created a new language, a symbology, and the symbols made a little bit more sense and um it, it it felt more tied to the story right when when he did it for the avengers it didn't feel as tied to the story but like all this makes sense for the x-men yeah it and, basically does sound like he kind of refined a lot of the stuff he he's used in in the his avengers run and only so far anyway um he, i i am interested because i really actually liked matt rosenberg's run Oh, oh, we definitely differ on this. Yeah, um, you know, I, uh, yeah, it, it just felt sort. It started to feel gratuitous towards the end for for Rosenberg. I, I'd like to hear what your take is. Um, you know, you know, and I tweeted this. It, it's his run. You know, no matter if you, you you can nitpick at like the individual deaths and some of the plot elements, like. I think the atmosphere and the whole run felt like the re- part of the reason why I, lo- I fell in love with the X Men in the '80s was this: they were the outcasts. They were they were about to lose all the time, like you know, um, especially you remember like after um, you know, like let's say like two hundred five, two hundred six, like they're bound the Hellfire Club and like in Central Park, and it felt like wow, they're they're gonna get the hoop right. beat out of them, right? And he had that sensibility, but then like this love of like the '90s X-Men right. merged into there, and it, you know, you felt the love when you're writing the when he was writing the book, um, and um, that's what I liked. I understand. They weren't, they weren't the premier superhero team, and they were. It felt like it was the last days of the X-Men. Right. I got that in the first six or seven issues, but once you know, once we got into double digits and things started to accelerate, you know, at least in my opinion, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, it just got to be a little much. Um, the, the debt started to pile up and started to mean less and less. So, um, you know, that's where I kind of got off the uh, got off the ride a little bit. But um, I definitely understand that feeling, especially because I had the same and similar feelings. Um, at the beginning of the run and towards the, the tail end of the first half of it. So, 
Yeah. No, I, I, not, I guess not that, you, not that you say all of that, though. I guess it's knowing that this is going on right now, he really didn't have any kind of, he had no, no, nothing restraining him. So therefore he just kind of went with what else because he knew it was probably all going to mean sure. less or little to nothing. Or we don't know, we don't know going forward, but it doesn't seem like it's going to, like, hey, it's all this is going to end. So just, just go nuts, you know? So. All right. Ready yes, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I really I, I enjoyed House of X. I'm excited for the, the, the future of it. I, I am interested and someone will probably do it. Someone will probably write the bridge between the Rosenberg run and the Hickman run. Like someone will probably write some bridge to it. If it's not actually part of this this event. Right, yeah. If it doesn't actually come into play at some point. Yeah. But yeah, that would have to be some pretty deft writing to do because well, again, having not read all of Rosenberg's run knowing a couple of things that happened in there. I was like, huh, good luck trying to pull that all together, but somebody will do it. Um, So that being the case, I think we're going to... We can rapid fire the rest of our... Yeah. um, I mean, one's to save Matt uh, the spoilers on some of these books because uh, he might be reading some of them. I don't have a few books left. Uh, so let me go ahead and finish up uh, the, the the one I started before you got on, which was uh, Batman: Curse of the White Knight. And all I will say is, like, like I said, I was I was basically a big fan of the the first uh, sequel. Uh, this one kind of feels like it's uh, a business as usual, but but still in that universe. But that being said, there's still some some particularly interesting parts. Like there's some uh, there's a character that from the Bat Family that got introduced in this, and uh, Batman still kind of dealing with the fallout of what happened uh, in the first uh, the, the first book. And, um, you know, it, I, and it still has to do with his family. So like I said, that's still a tie that's still there from the first, from the first series. So hopefully this one is going to kind of, you know, pick up because the first one like it hit kind of hit hard and, and hit well. So that's that. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and we'll, we'll kill off. Uh, well, since it's, We'll do one more book and then we'll rapid fire it. And since right. we've read, uh, where did we leave off at? I can't remember. Swordmaster, we finished it off. Right. Uh, we did Jane Foster, we did uh, Spidey. Okay. Did we talk about Doctor Strange? We did not. You want to do that one instead? Uh, it doesn't one? matter. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, just do Doctor Strange. Why not? So, Doctor Strange right. is 16. Um,. You know, this, we didn't. We kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but it felt like this potentially could have been the penultimate issue, even though because you, you, I know you even asked that. Um, right, I wasn't or, sure. Right, which it is not because because the, the series is ended at twenty. But the way this kind of played off is like, yeah, this seemed like it's kind of getting there kind of quick. So I'm kind of curious as to what they plan on doing when they get there. Right. So, so this is basically the big fight between you know. Uh, the, the forces that be and and Galactus, a, a Dormammu powered Galactus, right? A new magically powered Galactus, you know, because everything is magically delicious, and that's really not a pun in this, because yeah. that's really how Galactus is operating in the magical part of the MU, um, literally devouring magical beings and supplementing his power, um, right. and that seems to be part of the stratagem that uh, Doctor Strange is employing in here. To uh, try to make uh, you know to try to make a last stand against uh, Galactus, mm-hmm. 
My only note in this is that the cost of the final battle is very in-game esque. Same anyway, I can see that. Yeah, which you kind of you kind of hate to keep doing that, but at the same time, we know Marvel is taking beats from the the, the movies, which as we talked about last week, shouldn't be the case, but right. it, is, it is at this point. But so it's very easy to say that hey, the you know this book that just came out shortly after this thing happened it, with some similar beats are going to have some similar tone to it. You know, whether that was like, obviously we know that these books kind of uh, get plotted out like, you know, four to six months in advance at, at the very least. So, and you know, in game had his uh, filming time. And it's not exactly a, an, an original. Uh, uh, that is also true. Premise either. So, but yeah, but again, like I said, you can't help, but notice things like that. And it's kind of, in some small way, a little disheartening, but sure. this is what we got right now. Right. What else than that? Yeah. You want to bring up uh, Amazing Spidey number 26, then we'll wrap yeah, the let's do that. Oh, that was good. We'll... I, I did read that. That was good. Okay, sweet. Um, so, yeah. So, this is um, Amazing Spider-Man number 26, and this is basically picking up on a beat from, what, like two, three issues ago when uh, Electra got broken out? Mm-hmm. Two issues, and, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like two issues ago. And this is basically, as I said in my notes, Beetle giving Electro the hard sell for for her, for their syndicate, which is basically, I, as I've said, seemed like another um, uh, another version of the Sinister Six, just rebranded, yeah. which I know there are two of them that are floating around right now, so I feel like those two are going to come at ahead. But but back, uh, again, back in the late 80s, there was a Sinister Syndicate. Right. So, yeah. So this, so this is also bringing that back up. So you know, as we said before, you know, everything old is new again. Right. In certain points, that doesn't mean it's not good. That just means that hey, sure. we just notice it as people who have seen the stuff before. Sure. Exactly. Can, can you guys tell me? With you know, I, it's not a spoiler. There's a new trapster, but has that trapster ever showed up anywhere before? Because everyone else I know has shown up. Right. Uh, that, that I'm not sure. I, I bumped on that, and I'm not 100 percent sure as well. Yeah, because uh, yeah, because just like you, everybody else, I was like, okay, I've either seen the person or read up on them at some point, and and not that one, I'm not sure about. Yep. So, but uh, you know, Spencer continues to tr- to uh, to push um, Fred Dukes on us, Boomerang, really, <laughs> really trying to improve uh, to, uh, to uh, you know uh, evolve that character. Superior foes of Spider-Man is really good. Yeah, I'm. A, but I'm saying like it, it's just the continuing saga of the improvement or the, uh, you know. Well, not on. Yeah, not only that, we got we got some. We got the folding into the uh, friendly neighborhood stuff too, with you know the stuff going on with Feast and Not May, and you know that, which I'm pretty sure they did it on purposely. It was like, hey, you know, in case you want to know what this stuff is going on, hey, we've got this other book over here, right? You know, so. But um, but otherwise that it was a pretty, it was pretty good. Read. I I kind of enjoyed like the, the whole hard sell bit and and it not working until Boomerang came into came into um the question. Then it was like, all right, fine, I'm on board because a couple of them have uh, past issues with. Uh, with Do you the, currently uh, have any outstanding warrants for your arrest? Right. But <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I will say that like it, it is nice that Nick Spencer writes um connects a lot of his books together right like mm-hmm. you think about um beetle right she was prominent in ant-man astonishing ant-man right, right. and um you know um 
and he she, he weaves that he weaves. If you read all of Nick Spencer's books, you see trends and connections, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Astonishing X Men. He had um, the what was it? The Minion app, right? And right. Uh, and that came in through came back through with uh, Ant Man and and some other places too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I do enjoy that. That if you're a Nick Spencer fan, like things will pop up, right? And uh, even in you know, it's a Captain America run, right? Like some of the, those themes get t- uh, tied into other places. Yeah, I feel like uh, between him, like him, Aaron, um, I guess Ewan kind of does it every now and then too. But they kind of was like, well, they like as I said before, they like playing with their toys. So sure, they come back. Ewan definitely right. Like, yeah. in, the, in the last two, those Avengers like miniseries, like. Mm-hmm. Definitely does that. Yeah, they have like their own like mini stable of characters that they tr- that they like to uh, play with over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right, like some of Jason Aaron's um, uh, Wolverine the X Men characters showed up in Thor. So. Yeah, right. Which well, I don't know. Yeah, and when was the last time you saw the spotlight on White Rabbit of all people? So yeah, I'll to hunt it. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I mean, even I, I thought that uh, White Rabbit was a surprise. Inclusion in the storyline, and now she's back in in this uh, in this newly formed uh, syndicate. Right. Again, going back to what we said earlier, the, the mm-hmm. that kind of tend to, to, to parts that come up every now and then. So, but yeah, so that was amazing. Spider. I don't think there was anything else that was kind of because there was no more on the Kendra stuff except for kind of mentioning them once. You mean Caterpillar Man? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, it looks like this is a. a, 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 a which we call it an interlude type story with uh, with this new with this new syndicate, and obviously they're going to play on um, Spider Verse and and uh, use this female uh, uh, octopus person. Yeah, I'm actually kind of mad they didn't use that. They didn't bring in that version. Yeah, this is somebody else, right? Right. It was the existing. It's the existing version. The one yeah. six one six. Yeah, Lady Octopus. Okay. Yeah. I forgot she existed. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's hey, it's the deepest cut. We can't all we can't all think of them all. Didn't, so. didn't, I thought you wrote the Marvel Wikio Wiki entry on her. Oh, you know, like uh, if they're not in the old school Marvel Universe handbook, I have some problems. You know. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah. So moving on from from there, and I guess hey, speaking of that, I know you 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 went to sleep on this. Actually, you know what? Rapid fire, hit that real quick. Get it up. Um, history of the Marvel. I'll go ahead and do mine because I know I got a slightly nifty. Yeah, history. you missed that. You missed out on this, Matt. I actually fell asleep uh, before I wanted to read this. I literally opened this up on uh, my review copy, and I was like, "Oh, this looks very good." There's a lot of reading. <laughs> Wait, what? What book is this? House of the, the Marvel history, history of the Marvel Universe. Oh, that, that, it looks good. Um, I, you know, it, it's. I guess the the idea of going to uh, the beginning of everything was a little daunting for my tired brain, and it's, I literally knocked out. Yeah, it's one of basically a, a you know historical compendium. I guess briefly, I would say it's like grand designers, but to but more uh, more general. Is it like yeah. is it like the old Marvel saga? Yeah, I, I didn't. So. I didn't really get that feeling. Okay. Because it's probably in a way, but not 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 just specifically though. Right. The old Marvel saga literally pulled scenes from 
uh, and, and and this is a this is a shout out to any of uh, people of a certain vintage who remembered the old Marvel saga, and that was their uh, their uh, education in Marvel deep cuts and Marvel history, where they literally pulled like panels from books and interspersed and, and kind of fit them together so that they would read cohesively with little, you know, prose paragraphs in between explaining how the action was happening concurrently or right. happening consecutively, depending on what, this, how, you know, what was uh, actually happening. Right. Some, some would argue that grand design is probably, uh, an, um, probably an, an evolution of this in a way, but you know, like I said, not strictly. And I feel like there's been uses of what you just said happening in recent books, but it, I, it, it um, it's um, it goes away from me now. But basically, right. so the premise starting off, is, which is I kind of love it, to, to how they explain the, how they kind of go in. It's basically Galactus and a grown-up Franklin Richards at the at the end of the universe or a universe, and Franklin was like, "Hey, tell me, you know, basically tell me everything that happened, you know, tell me all of the history, roughly." And then they just start from the Big Bang and go from you know. Galactus Celestials and all you know everything that happened in between them, the Elder Gods and the you know everything that happens up until a certain point. Um, and that's pretty. And it's like I said, and they do, did they do a nice little? Um, as a matter of fact, I think it was this, at the end of this book where they kind of did what they was like, like this, but except for it's like, hey, this part came out of this, you know, uh, came from, you can read about this stuff here, or you can read about this here, and you can read about this, and they have, like, you know, panels of the pages, you know, just showing it this way. So it's interesting. I think I think this is a six-issue book, and Mark Wage, Wage writing, I can't remember who's doing mm-hmm. it. I see what you mean now, right, because there's a section that's annotated at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this seems right on Mark Wade's alley. This is, like, the book he should be writing. Yeah, so, so this is his thing, and so far, like I said, it, if you ever wanted to see a nice little brief history of the Marvel Universe, even with the the the, because they even have the revisions of the the more newer stuff. Yeah, we're up to yeah. What I was gonna say is that it actually includes uh, the the most recent retcons. So right. if you really wanted to be up to date, that's what you. This is what you need to read. Yeah, so uh, this, you should Avengers definitely... one billion BC. Yeah, yeah. some they, yeah, they, they there. stuff in here. So there. Uh, let's see what is next. Dial H for hero number five. Um, this is I love Sam Pumphreys, <laughs> so 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 this book uh, continues to be a treat for me. This is kind of restrained Sam Pumphreys, though. That I will say this is so. Um, if you know anything about the, this the series, it's this kid who named Miguel, who's in a small podunk town. He, the way he gets out is basically he he and his other girl hijacks his, uh, his uncle's food truck uh, because he's in possession of the H dial. And he needs to get it to Metropolis to Superman because he's a big Superman fan, you know, big idol who apparently has saved him uh, once or twice. So along the way, they've come across some resistance. Other people are trying to find the um, trying to to find the, X, the H dial because they're former users and just felt the need to 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 connect to that power again. Well, in this one, like I guess the main big bad, uh, Mister Thunderbolt finally gets it goes into quote unquote the the hero verse which is you know almost like the the well they do allude to the speed force in here also so i guess the, the hero verse is a place is another multiverse or a place beyond the speed speed force and there's a little secret origin going on here and you see a whole bunch of secret uh, see a bunch of origins of heroes you know 
before getting into, you know, like I said, um, a little bit more about Miguel and the place and the, you know, things about this, uh, the hero verse and whatnot. So, which was stuff we did not really know about. Um, so it's, it's cool. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think it's anything that's going to be you know, groundbreakingly like, this is not going to rock the DC universe, you know, or anything like that, but this is kind of a little something on the side that's kind of interesting so far. Uh, Martian Manhunter number seven. Uh, yes, I am actually still reading this mess. Um, so what? That book's still around. That book's still around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that exact same joke the last uh, the last time um, we talked about this. Yeah, and it's still. I'm not gonna say it doesn't make any sense because they've actually kind of grounded a little bit because now all that old Marks stuff is kind of looks to be out of the way except for the fact that basically uh, a. Uh, an old enemy of uh, John's is on Earth, and they're doing something with humans. And this has also has to do with a case that he and his partner is working on. And his partner just found out, well, found out at the beginning of the series that you know that he's a Martian. So they're still coming to grips with that. And it looks like this issue they've started to turn that corner on that. Um, but yeah, so we finally found out what the what the the big bad is kind of trying to do on Earth, and it is what it is on that one. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. So I know I you said. Uh, so I. I oh, like you read? Yeah. Sweet. So I know Agent Seven. You said you were going to read this, right? Yes, I'm going to read. I did not. Oh, so without so without too many spoilers, uh, an old galactic foe has come back, and they're quite different, and they're not even from <laughs> the time you think they are. But of course, as tends to happen with the Guardians, of course, things are coming from the future. I will say that much. Um, and Peter and crew get into uh, get into a thing, and they lose badly. And so the rest of the, the rest of the Guardians have to call on upon someone who apparently has gone through some hard times between the last time we saw him. Which I know, and coming from solicits that I've seen a while ago, there are talking about something happened to this character. We don't know if it's an actual thing or you know, if something else is going to happen from there's going to be a change to the character or something on this, but we will see how going forward. But yeah, I kind of enjoyed this issue too because it was like, huh, all right, things kind of happen. And there felt like there was a little bit of cinematic quality, cinematic things coming on, especially between a thing between a couple of characters. Yeah, which, I, I will say I, I'm very interested in the love triangle that's going to, you know, yeah happen in the future and then i did have one pet peeve about the issue non-spoiler mm-hmm. uh, I, I won't i won't spoil it but i just like there's certain thing that happened in the beginning and and i was just like really those guys are gone again they already got destroyed once <laughs> right i think i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. i'm like huh that was <laughs> like they they didn't there wasn't that many of them left as it was and now you're just gonna just scrap them like that but they may not be gone though Given what we found out later on the issue, yes, but, yes, you you are right. But it was just like I was like, really, exactly. But it was like, huh. useless, right? It was like y'all just just don't even care, huh? All right, that's cool. Um, plus, with we know what events coming up, they they can't possibly just just scrap them off the board just like that. But um, it is what it is. Uh, the fearless number one. So this is a, an anthology. Um, with looks like um, all female creative teams featuring 
uh, all female characters. So like, so then there's three of them. There's the the first story, which is basically um, Sue Storm, Carol Danvers, and Aurora uh, trying to figure out. You know, they they have all been tasked to speak at this leadership conference, and they all have doubts of whether they are good enough to do it. So they're going through their whole their things with that. And then the second one. Um, was a Millie the Model story, which I'm like, okay, that's different because Millie the Model, you hadn't seen her in a in a good minute, and you know, was that, was Hellcat there? No, actually, no. Mm-mm. Um, this is like straight up, straight up, like, hey, Millie the Model, and just a couple of people in her her throwing. She's on a photo shoot, and she has some young people with her that she's um that she's um dealing with, and it's just kind of that sort of story. She's kind of being a role model, but it's just her doing a modeling thing and. You know, helping folks around there is the, the least superhero thing or capes and tights superhero thing to do. But in her own way, she's like, well, she's being a good role model. So there's that. I and swear to God, I just, I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, right? I keep hearing Cab Calloway every time we talk about Millie the Mall. You need to moot you. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, but, Cab Calloway. Yeah. But it was, a, like I said, it was a, it was a, Interesting change of pace. Um, and then the last story was was I hope they're going to do some some more with this because I know this is um, I believe this is a six issue um, a deal here. I can't remember, uh, but I know it's a mini. It's a mini, but I can't remember how many issues it is. And it's uh, Elsa Bloodstone calling Jessica Jones because she needs a, she has to help with a a bunch of little problems. I'll just leave it at that. But it was cute. I wanted to see a little bit more of that. Um, I just scrolled through. Yeah, that's funny. Um, shout out to Scotty, um, Scotty Young. Um, oh, he well, he, look, he's making all that money on the pins, so yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, I almost asked you to give me some of those pins, no, but I was like, no, you don't understand the Marvel line was uh, insanity. Wow, I know pins are a big deal now, especially you know with Disney pins and Marvel pins too, uh, from what I hear. I mean, he, well, he also had like thirty new pins. Right. He had to spend like three hundred dollars if you want all the pins. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, pins pins are big now. I'm like, I more power to him. Can't do it. <laughs> um, but let's see, where are we at? Oh, you read this one, Agent Seventy, uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel number five. Yes. This was the uh, the culmination of the uh, off world storyline that. Uh, Saladin Ahmed has uh, sent Miss Marvel and her parents on. Yes. So uh, we find the, I guess, fulfillment and 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 the story behind the legend of um, uh, this particular planet savior, which was teased at the very beginning of this arc. And uh, without getting into it, I don't know if uh, you're reading this, Matt, but. Um, uh, they're successful in one regard, but uh, upon returning to Earth, there's definitely a little bit of a twist that uh, ends on a, on, a, on a down note. Yeah, I was like, damn it, first I made none of this? What the hell, man? Yeah, that's tough. Tough, tough, tough. Okay. Oh, and also, like, the, like I think you may have said, uh, Kamal's got a new suit. Which oh, I, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, it's uh, very modern. We'll put it yeah, down. it is... I'm hoping it's not a somewhat of a techno symbiote. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> oh gosh, that's the only thing I'm gonna say about that. I didn't even go that far. A- Absolute carnage is coming. So, 
right? Yeah, well, this is the it's actually based, yeah, based on. Yeah, I was about to say it's based on alien tech, and if you're familiar with Miss Marvel's origin, you kind of right. figure out uh, why she's able to use it and wield it. Right. Yeah, so it's it's more it's more nanotech than than biotic, but at the same time, like you know what, the way things are going right now, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, exactly. That, that's not a that's not a twist that's far fetched. Yeah, like oh shit, this is a symbiote, and she's gonna get pulled in whatever that stupid absolute carnage thing is gonna yeah, be. Yeah, we'll see. All right, um, let's see. Star Wars number sixty nine. <laughs> um, there's really not much to say about it. Everybody's still on their missions. Uh, they're Chewie and 3PO hit us another two other snags on their mission, and uh, Luke meets a stranger who may or may not have something to do with the Force or knows about it at least. And Han and Leia are on this planet, and they're had a slight argument about her ex boyfriend. And before they get into whatever their mission is, um, let's see, Sherry number ten. She has a great cover, by the way. Which one? Star Wars number sixty-nine. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, it's, I think it's Phil Noto and Phil Noto is doing the art that covers. Yeah, enter also. Yes. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and the art's still pretty good. Um, Sherry number ten is the last issue of this book. This uh, which I'm sad about because I enjoyed it, uh, but it leaves on a pretty decent note. Uh, the the takeaways is. Uh, after dealing with the space cricket, you know, having come to an understanding with it, she gets her powers back. Uh, she gets a lead on T'Challa, which, if reading Black Panther, you kind of already know where that's where that is at this point. Um, and the, the book just kind of leaves on a high note so in that respect. Hopefully, there may be something else coming along with that. But the only thing they teased at the back of it was the upcoming um, Agents of Wakanda and what else going on in, in Black Panther Prosper. So, see, we did Jane Foster, Disorder Master. Oh, last book, uh, Star Trek The Q Conflict number six. So, I did a reread because I, I, I had kind of fallen off of this for a second and then kind of came back, um, came back on because I knew this was the last issue. And this whole series still continues to be as fun as it was when it first started. So, basically, uh, if you did not know, it was it's basically a concert of uh. A contest of champions, but in the Star Trek universe. So Q and a bunch of other higher, um, higher power entities got. Well, it's Q's idea, but he got them together to pit each other against each other because they were already in a war. But they decided to change the way they fought it because of a talk between Q and Picard, um, which leads into them doing that. So you have various iterations of. Uh, you know, Star Trek team. So you got TOS, you got Voyager, B Space Nine, um, um, TNG, you know, uh, one version, a version of piece of them all got together, mixed up into teams headed by the various captains working for these different entities. And so they're sitting there playing games, you know, not playing games, but they're basically um, fighting for who knows with Q? Because there, there was, it was like, hey, it kind of came out, it started off with one thing, but it was like, but with Q, who's kind of an agent of chaos, whether it was actually going to go off as planned or not, regardless of, but this was basically um, another way to solve their, their war. 
and Q was kind of stepping up the stakes. And of course, and the profits ended up coming in in one issue. And Wesley ended up coming in last issue with the uh, with the traveler and another Q who ended up helping out. And then this issue, uh, you know, all of the crews kind of got together, got their upper hand. And then, of course, as with any dealings with the Q, kind of ends up in stalemate and a treaty was signed. And that was that. But it's still a good read. I would dare say if you're a Star Trek fan and kind of interested in anything I've said in the beginning, like it being a contest of champions in the Star Trek universe. Still pretty fun. Uh, and that's it for my books. And I don't know if you had anything else. Cause I think we pretty much no, we, did. we covered it. So that being said, um, unless you, you have anything else you read, uh, Matt, uh, this week, or you got around to, no, no, I think you covered it all. Thank you. Sweet. Uh, the week. So as per usual, we got two of them already. And one of them should not be a surprise if you're a longtime viewer listener of this show. Uh, but we will start off with Dirt, whose was, and let me pull up what he said, actually. Uh, Detective Comics 1008. Which sounds so weird to say, right? Yeah, I know, right? Just a number. Yeah, no, uh, but getting past 1,000? Uh, yeah. Um... But yeah, no, because you would think there hasn't been a Marvel comic yet to, to do that, despite <laughs> despite all the re- restarts and whatnot. But yet, DC's got like two, three. But yeah, anyway, um, and he says Batman versus Joker is somewhat by the numbers, but considering the mess that is that is the Batman titles these days, a Batman story with great art, bold colors, and a timeless plot is a welcome addition to my reading list. All right. And from Tim, again, should be no surprise, House of X number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to second that. That is my click of the week as well, House of X number one. Okay, make this easy. Great. Um, Matt, you got one? House of X. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that in here. Um, I... Hmm. And of course, me reading the one. Well, that's what you get for reading like everything. Under- yeah, I know. I read a, got a lot to choose from. Yeah, I read a ass little books. Ugh. Um, that Jane Foster book was pretty good, though. <laughs> it was. No, listen, I don't blame you for that. Uh, I don't know if you read that yet, Matt. No, it's it, it's it's literally like on my stack right now. Okay, it's it's, 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 it's a good read. It's, it's a good read. It's an enjoyable read. Yeah, definitely. Uh, by, um, by the way, speaking speaking of War of Realms. My buddy at work is a big Russell Donovan fan. And so Russell, he does everything digitally, but he only sells one artist proof. He bought the War of Realms promo. Wow. Recovered. Yeah. So I just, I I was in his office admiring it yesterday. (laughs) Thinking of of ways of getting off the wall, maybe. Oh my God. It's beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I talked to Russell Dowderman as as we allow. You know, we're not going to uh, completely let Roddy Cat uh, get away with this. Um, you know, hey, I was thinking. I was thinking. So while you're thinking, uh, I was just going to mention that I I, I met Russell Dowderman kind of off of the start of Mighty Thor when there was still a lot of hubbub about the uh, the launch of the title and the direction of um, the female Thor. I don't think they had revealed uh, uh, that it was Jane Foster at that point. I got I got him to sign um, the, the number one issue 
and you know, I, I you know gave him some kudos because um, his layouts were, were 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 dense but very well thought out, and uh, you know he's done a lot of uh, work to really you know refine his, his his style, and he's gotten really good over the last you know few years that we've seen his uh, his work in the uh, the Marvel book. So um, you know, it kind of brings me back. You know, I don't remember if he had any. He probably had prints to sell. Um, but I don't think he had any original art to sell no, at his table. It's all digital. Yeah. No, I mean that's you know that's what made me think. You know, going back to what I remember seeing on his um, artist alley table in his booth. So, all right, you got one, Roddy. Star Trek: The Q Conflict Number Six. All right. Um. Uh, yeah, House of Flex. I still need to. I, House of Flex is good, and everything I would say, give it uh, the click for would be for past stuff and I need to see more before right. I see anything more. And Jane Foster is good, but you know, hey. Um that being said, let's get to the first ad read of the night. You know when we're in a hurry, this is what we read. Keep our podcast free by shopping <laughs> at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us, then click the keep our podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, and trade paperbacks. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Now it's time for the news! And yes, as they say, the news doesn't stop because uh, we are a week shy away from San Diego and stuff still coming out. Um, including that which I, which I did not intend to do. Um, hold on a second. Oh, wow, that was the wrong sheet. Aha! All right, but yeah, there's loads and loads and loads of moves, news, and we're going to start off with the cinematic news um, on a down note, sadly, because crew member on DC's Universe's Titans killed in an accident at Special Effects Facility. So this came out uh, last week, uh, I think, um, the like right after we, I want to say it was like right after we, or the day we um, recorded or something. So Warren Appleby, the show's special effects coordinator, who had the same role on Guillermo del Toro's 2018 Best uh, Picture Oscar winner, The Shape of Water, was killed Thursday after an accident which occurred at a special effects facility um, during preparation testing before an upcoming shoot. Uh, In addition to, uh, he was working on Titans at the time, obviously, The Shape of Water we just mentioned, but apparently he's uh, had a 25-year career, which included the likes of the, uh, the It reboot uh, and It 2 and a bunch of other stuff. So that is uh, sad news. And so they set up a GoFundMe page for for um, to raise money for his wife and kids. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So... Yeah. Next up, though. Yeah, speaking of Titans, Season 2 is actually going to be more concerned with Bruce Wayne rather than Batman. So if uh, you had watched Titans on DC Universe, you know how the story ended and uh, there was um, the tease of uh, Batman in the the Titans corner of the universe. 
and apparently where they're going is uh, more uh, focused on the uh, Bruce Wayne alter ego. Yeah, I still need to catch up with that. I guess <laughs> that being the only show still existing, on the, now we don't <laughs> we don't know where all that's gonna go. Right. Um, but next up, first Holly Quinn trailer warning mature content. So yeah, that was a trailer for um, Hollywood Carly Quinn's uh, animated series at uh, Comic Con. I still haven't watched it, um, but I, apparently there's something in it that's mature. Right. My understanding, I, I'm not 100 percent sure about the mature content, but uh, this is the animated series. Yes. And. Um, you know, what kind of expectations can you have at this point? It's not uh, Bruce Tim, and uh, you know, it's not in the uh, the Young Justice um, corner of the universe, as far as I can tell. So, no, this is uh, com- separately. Right, it's something completely on its own. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Young Justice, season four is conti- is already in production. Um, uh, I actually am. Pretty much up to date on Young Justice. I don't. I think I caught this past week's episode, so I, I should be up to date on it. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I need to need to, need to get there. Like for some stupid reason, I decided to do a rewatch and and not held myself off on that. But that's my dumbness. Uh, next up, DC Universe panel reveals the future of the streaming service. So, given all the news we've seen with, um, you know, the cancellations of certain shows and you know, the renewal of certain shows, and we had heard uh, rumblings of there being a service, which we now know of, uh, that consolidates all of the stuff, we found out from this panel that apparently DC Universe is still going to be around and not just swallowed into um, HBO Max from... from the the takeaway from this because Swamp Thing I think that, or not Swamp Thing um, Doom Patrol is what they what they what they said but basically that and Titans and other stuff are going to be simultaneously put on both uh, HBO Max and still on DC Universe right so which is good because I'm I'm kind of happy they did that because I would have hated for like them to just consolidate all the stuff that's in DC universe, which has gotten better, you know, content wise into that bigger thing, which, you know, right. Because you would lose some of the focus on the comics as well. Exactly. So, you know, it would be interesting to see if they did do, you know, one gigantic app, but it would be pretty confusing to have to filter through all the other stuff to get to the comics, but it would have been nice exposure for the comics, to be honest. Yeah, but basically, like it says here, like the, the HBO Max's thing, it's coming. It's coming in twenty six or twenty twenty. Excuse me. And Doom Patrol's going to be there. I didn't say Titans, just Doom Patrol. But yeah. That doesn't necessarily say that uh, some of the other stuff not going to be there. Sure. Um, no. Let me fold in these two, ne- yep. these next two stories because they are related. So ahead of Comic Con, uh, the CW released a, a new trailer for uh, the Batwoman TV show, but unfortunately. Uh, the star of uh, the Batwoman TV show, and I think some of the uh, the cast had to pull out of uh, the Comic Con Batwoman uh, panel because they were filming. They were too busy filming; and they couldn't pull out. So, you know, uh, Ruby Rose posted on line uh, a message about um, not being able to make it to the panel and being, uh, you know, and being apologetic for it. Right. 
now I before this is something totally off the thing, but slightly related. I had heard that some people had, and these could be just these people's like, so I can't hate giving credence to it, but. I have heard that there are some people ahead of um, San Diego had seen the footage and it was not great mm. uh, um, from Batwoman. But like I said, that's neither here nor there because you never know who these people are. So, um, That being said, uh, Epix's Pennyworth series seemingly features uh, an LGBTQ character. So um, there was a Pennyworth panel, and I think there was also a trailer, which I don't remember if I got or not. Uh, that was that came that came up with it, uh, and it's not in this article. All right, really quick, who has Epics on their cable channel? Well, it has a cable channel. Anybody? Mueller? You guys, Matt? Do you have Epics? Yeah, I don't have Epics either, so I'm not sure how many people can be watching this. Yeah, I mean, Epics is one of those. Is like if you have just above the tier of basic or something, I think you'll get it. Like with stars or something, I think. But at, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I like, mean, Epics and stars are kind of similar. So right, it depends on the package, obviously, that you right. have uh, purchased with your cable. If you're in, if you uh, actually uh, still have a cable package as opposed to just streaming. Yeah, and my pro- my only problem with the criminal work thing is like they could have used a. Um, the, the 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 Gotham version of Anthem because he's kind of dope, like right. Sean uh, Sean uh, Pertwee. Like I, I do love that that version of uh, Alfred. So, but obviously they wanted to go with the young version, and you know, it is what it is. So who knows how that's going to turn out? Right. Um, right. Next yeah. up, oh, I I, love, uh, I always get these stories. <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Earths. Brandon Ralph is back and suits up as Superman once again. Yeah, man. Played the Man of Steel in 2006's Superman Returns is coming back, and he's going to uh, uh, play. I think the Kingdom Come version of Superman. Yeah, yep, that's correct. But of course, he's coming back uh, playing a different character uh, than he normally does in the DC uh, uh, DC TV universe, the the CW right. universe. Right, because so, he played Adam on, on Legends of Tomorrow. So, so way to be budget, CW. Way to be budget. I mean, look, if you got a Superman on set, you might as well use him. I'm just saying. There's a great picture from Comic-Con from uh, the lead actor in Krypton and Brandon oh, yeah. taking a picture. And they're, yeah, it was for Instagram. It was awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking a picture with someone like taking a picture with my grandson. Or yeah. Like yeah. yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. Um... Next up, holy crossovers, Batman. Bart, <laughs> Bert Ward signs on for CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. I really hope he's Batman and not Robin. I don't want to see him in the tights. Oh, um, no. Not joking, but not like really. Oh, my gosh. So. <laughs> I mean, all signs point to probably him being Robin, but, you know. You know. Hey, Bart Ward, what you going to do? Hmm. Um, so speaking of uh, the CW, they unveiled they unveiled a slew of trailers for their DC TV shows, including trailers for Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Black Lightning during the network's Comic Con uh, presentation. Yeah, yeah, and they are they are online for people to peruse. That is correct. Is, is the Elite coming back to Supergirl? I haven't. I were were they on there? You got me. I have, I have, I'm like a couple of seasons out from that show. Oh, no. so. um, 
Agent 70 and I, our buddy, uh, was a member of the elite on Supergirl last season. Okay. <laughs> Short Not me. Agent 70, um, Louie was the hat. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Make me go back and watch this stuff? All right. I didn't know. Six degrees of Matt Wang over here. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Now he's got to catch up on Supergirl. <laughs> he was on this season. That's funny. All right. So anyway. Next, yeah, so next up, Sandro uh, Rahamurthy uh, cast as Flash villain Bloodwork. Now, I'm not familiar with. Yeah, what, era, yeah, what era of. No, yeah, Bloodwork, it, it, he's a recent villain from the recent oh, run. Because okay. like, okay, I was about to say, yeah, well, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm up on the Flash's. Uh, roster, but I'm like, that's a new one. I think he premiered like two years ago. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he'll be on. Um, this is the sixth season. Wow, time flies. Uh, next up, yeah, speaking of actors playing multiple roles, Tom Cavanaugh, uh, from The Flash is going to play another classic DC character. And uh, who's he playing? Not Wells this time, I think. Where's the playing Pariah? Pariah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So so Tom Cavanaugh has played you know, Reverse Flash and on a couple of people and a bunch of Wellses as his, from his uh, his characters. I, I'm surprised there's not a council of Wells Wellses. If there isn't, I don't know. I'm I'm not even caught up on Flash. So I can tell you. So now he's playing Pariah in um, the crossover, who will probably end up being a Wells. But apparently, it says here he works for the Animon- Monitor. So I don't know that much about him. I mean, he really needs a job or something. Like, why is he playing? <laughs> he's pretty. Hey, you know what? He's been pretty good at the, at the parts he's been playing. Like, I, I, I love him on Flash. As yeah. it, it, you know, um, but it's kind of weird. It's like, wow, could they not have found someone else to to uh, to do this one? But anyway, it's like, hey, look, at, you got a good character again. You got somebody on your on, on the bench. You might as well use them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, by the way, I did see. Sorry, speaking of Flash, I did see. Um, Dana, what's her last name? Um, Anna Becker. Yes, I saw her. She she was having dinner in the same place I was having dinner. Nice. And, uh, you know, she. You know, I was like looking. I was like, I know her. Oh, that's Killer Frost. Yep. Last <laughs> Killer Frost is up in the build. That's right, because they did a thing there, didn't I guess? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think we had we had, well that was last week. We had something about that. Um, but uh, this time the Flash will launch new storytelling format in season six. So after six seasons, I guess they'll trying something new with the way they more, do. More power too. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep it fresh. So apparently, uh, it says instead of one season long story arc, season six will be broken down into two chapters or graphic novels. Hmm, interesting. That features their own individual villains. First half will end uh, in this year's five show crossover, and then pick up with a new story for the second half. Kind of feel like you've done that anyway. Like, or at least there are some some shows I've done that. Like, hey, there's a mid series and thing, and they kind of, you know, stop at a place then and then pick up. But usually, I guess that's pick up with the same story, though. Cool. Next up. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so somebody, some people, or someone with some extra money to burn, uh, hired an airplane with release the Snyder Cut banner to fly over San Diego Comic-Con on Friday morning. This past Friday morning. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let it go, people. Let it go. 
Yeah, somewhat a thousand, one thousand one hundred and seventy dollars for the stunt. Like I guess, more, again, was we said, more money than sense. But sure. Uh, switching gears a little bit, Power Rangers original Red Ranger returns in new Beast Morphers trailer. So Jason, the Red Ranger, um, is going to be, which I think we talked about at one point of this possibly happening, uh, being on the new version of Power Rangers Beast Morphers, and there's a trailer out there about it. So, cool. No no wonder he was signing at near Comic-Con. Right, and that was that was part of the speculation, cause, and, and that uh, that the toy, the two-piece the two, uh, two piece, um, toy set of him was also shown, and there was speculation. It was like, yeah, they might have some, all that might be connected, so it turns out it was. So. All right. Next up, a good news for uh, a friend of both myself and uh, at Matt Wang ninety seven. The Boys show on Amazon has al- has already gotten an official second season renewal. So the show has recently premiered on uh, Amazon Prime Video and uh, has already been renewed uh, for a second season. As a reminder, this is based on the comic series of the same name. By Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. Um, anybody watching this? I want to. I forgot that it was on. I yeah, saw the commercial. Started. It just started, so yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I've, like I've keep seeing things from, it, and I was like, I'm kind of curious. And there's some people on there that are kind of like, I'm like, okay, I might give this a shot, but who knows? Right. Uh, I was about to say. Just, I'll just add that uh, our mutual friend. Uh, shout out, Dave Lefkowitz. Um, uh, is counseling me to read the source material, so I plan on tracking some of that stuff down just to give it a give it a try. It's definitely not my not my usual. Uh, uh, it, it wouldn't normally be on my reading list, but I'm interested to see where all this is coming from. Gotcha. I will take the next two since they're connected, and that uh, The Witcher will be a very adult quote unquote show with lots of monsters and no villain. Okay, um, and in that there is also a trailer for said show, uh, for Netflix's Witcher show that is um, out there, and you can go check it out. Who's starring um, another of the Superman, uh, Henry Cavill, and there's supposed and you know there's going to be monsters and gratuitous nudity, no doubt, but probably no male parts, as people are speculating. But hey, it's if you like the that video game. You, I assume the show's going to be all right. I don't know. Next. By the way, just as a quick aside, I finally watched um, Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, with, nice. Uh, with Henry Cavill, you know, doing right. the, the, the fist reload bit. Uh, <laughs> it comes early on in the film. It's actually pretty fun. Um, yeah, I still need to get around to that one. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's definitely worth the watch, uh, just for the kind of mindless fun. Um, getting back to the news. That is a weird storyline. Anyway, I mean, sorry right there. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, this one? No, no, the, oh. the, one of the side ones. Okay. Uh, Denai Guerrera has confirmed that she is leaving the Walking Dead show uh, during season 10. That is the upcoming season 10. So uh, she's been on it since season three. So that's a pretty good run. And yeah. uh, she's, you know, she's an accomplished actress. She's actually a, a writer and director. So. Uh, she's going on to bigger and better things. Yeah, I believe she's got some stuff on Broadway going on right now or something. I can't remember. But yeah. 
Um, right. She's not just General Okoye. Even if she was just General Okoye, which would be pretty awesome, she right. definitely is. Um, uh, she's a multifaceted talent. Yeah, she's got things on the burner. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Walking Dead, first, the Walking Dead movie teaser kickstarts Rick Grimes's next chapter. So, yeah, they, they we talked about this like probably a while back in that, you know, after um, uh, Andrew Lincoln left or was killed off, whatever, however you want to do it, there was going to be a couple of uh, Walking Dead movies starring him. And I guess this is uh, the, the teaser to the first one. So, here you go. All right. Uh, next up, Archer gets a season 11 renewal and a major plot twist at San Diego Comic-Con. So, uh, congratulations to Archer. Yeah, no, right? I haven't watched that show since season five. I know people that were really big fans of it. They love the humor, so. I was one of them, but like I said, season five came and, and, and I think I lost access to get to FX, which is probably part of the reason why I stopped watching right. it. It happens. Yeah, and, and they come on Netflix, but then a year, uh, a season behind. So yeah. Anywho, um, Russo Brothers announces Battle of the Planets feature film. <laughs> yes, I knew you had me on that one. Um, yes. I am curious though. I it share is- this because I trust the Russos. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. But I'm also curious why not go directly to. I mean, granted, it's not that far off, but why not go directly to the the source material in Science Ninja Team Gotcha Man? But hey, I, it is what it is. I, I, I think they're similar to you know folks of a certain vintage like us. I mean, yeah, they're definitely going for that that whole late seventies, early eighties right. when it came on, and hopefully they'll leave Seven Sark Seven. Wherever it is, no seven dark seven is going to be coming along. I have this. Oh, no, I have this distinct feeling that that's the vibe that they're going for. But obviously, this is just, or they'll at least allude to them some kind of way. Like it'll be this is just conjecture on our part. Yeah, it's still a lot of time before uh, this becomes reality. But it's just something that I was ecstatic to hear, and to hear that they're behind it. Yeah, gives me a lot of hope. Oh, I'm happy for it. It's just like that was just kind of a weird choice to go with that version and not the, the original. But hey, like I said, it's the Russo's. I at this point, I, I trust them. Uh, next up, uh, Brent Spiner, Jerry Ryan, and Jonathan Frakes set to return for Star Trek Picard. So this was Same. a big announcement. Very at, uh, to this. I know Matt is too. Right. Uh, they uh, they announced this at the uh, Star Trek Universe panel with the first trailer for the Picard show and uh, made everyone mad that it's on CBS Access. And <laughs> obviously, um, you know, really, really, uh, um, you know, piqued people's interest in the, the channel because now you have a trailer showing Picard with, uh, you know, with the hints of... Um, uh, Brent Spiner's data, Jerry Ryan's Seven of Nine, and uh, yep. Riker and uh, Riker is going to be on there. And right. Q, uh, not Q, uh, Hugh. It seems like it's going to make an appearance on there or something. So yeah, it's it's um, it's a, it's a celebration. <laughs> yeah, it was. Listen, that it was a big deal when that dropped. I I know a lot of people, you know, were really excited about that. The the panels on YouTube, and it was awesome. 
Oh, I might as well check that out then. Cool. Uh, next up, uh, speaking of this, well, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, um, here's how far the series is jumping forward. So apparently, Discovery is going to do a time jump, which it was already ten years before TNG, something like that, I believe it was. So, uh, according to this, they're going to make a thousand-year leap into the future in the third season. Um, that's weird. It's a long time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Is there? Wait, that's Star Trek Online is on. No, I don't. It's not. No, no use of speculating. I'm trying to remember because there's, there's clearly there's a, a tie in there somewhere as to why that's going to be the case. Um, but apparently, I I feel like there's either what well, it's going to be a Q snap or they're going to just all get jumped to the future because there's no way in the world they're all going to be alive in the future. So, mm-hmm. and it's going to be the same cast. So wormhole. But um, <laughs> yeah. I'll play something, and I can't let a discovery. That's a Star Trek. That's a Star Trek trope. Yeah, um, it is. So, all right. Uh, next up, uh, Star Trek Lower Decks reveals first look at the show's characters. So this was also at the Star Trek Universe panel, and uh, CBS uh, unveiled the principal cast and the characters of the upcoming adult animated Star Trek Lower Decks. Okay. This is um, based on characters. Uh, this is a show where they're going to um, explore the characters who work on the lower levels of the USS Cerritos, yeah. one of the less important ships in Starfleet in a series co-created by Rick and Morty writer Mike McMahon. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure we talked about this before. And I'm like, I think that's, that part was probably the part that I wasn't too crazy about. But hey, I'll check it out. Uh, and now... We're going to start to get into the, <laughs> the meaty stuff because, um, and I sent you the link, Matt. So if you're watching uh, the stuff on the other side, on the other page, uh, on the second page, uh, that's going to get to the meat of this whole shebang. And we're going to start off with DuckTales surprises Comic Con with uh, damn autoplaying. We can autoplay advertisements. Yeah, I hate that. Uh, DuckTales surprises Comic Con with Rescue Rangers, Daisy Duck, and Lin Manuel Miranda. Which that last part we already knew because he was playing uh, Gizmo Duck, but I guess he made it to the panel or something. Right. It was, yeah. a, it was a surprise that he made it to the panel. Right. Because my understanding from the pictures I saw is that he came on as a surprise. Right. So, but during, so that wasn't the only surprise in that uh, the, apparently the rest of the Disney afternoon is, is going to make an appearance on DuckTales, <laughs> at, which kind of leads me to believe that maybe they're going to reboot some of the stuff on Disney Plus. And that this was the vehicle to, for them to do that by just kind of saying, hey, like, hey, these people, these folks are still in the universe. So and these other shows are now connected in, in a way they kind of certain weren't back in the day. So, yeah, Daisy Duck's going to join Duck, uh, DuckTales. And you can see they have a character sheet and Chippendale's going to be on there and the rest of the Rescue Rangers also. Because I read this and I thought they left out a name, which I think they did. Um the little fly, the little fly thing. I can't remember whose name. I can't remember right off the bat. Um, was not mentioned, but whatever. Uh, a grown-up kit and Molly from Tailspin, Goslin from Darkwing Duck, which we already knew. Darkwing Duck uh, was um, has already been established on the show. So yeah, pretty much the, the majority of the, the Disney afternoon. Oh yeah, and Goofy is apparently set to make an appearance on the show. So um, I, I'm sure there were thousands and millions of people screaming. Uh, about that bit of news. 
Next um start showing. So what? When do the new episodes um, start um you know what I don't know, and I'm not sure if this this article says as as much. Yeah, it doesn't really say. I'm not really sure though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I need to catch up on that because I've from from what I've seen so far, it's been pretty good. It's really season two is even better than season one. Oh really? Yeah, yeah I heard that they, there was a lot of callbacks in 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 season two. So oh, the, the 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 Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Episode. Oh my God, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to definitely have to catch up on that. Um. So next up. Uh next up, Disney XD Spider Man television show is delving into superior Spider-Man territory uh, in the first trailer that was released for the second half of season two, which debuts this September. Which one was weird that it's season two and two is weird that the show still on. I'm not sure why, but they've rebooted it a couple times. Yeah, that's true. You know, every time they, every time they have, they, they follow uh, a new direction, they reboot that, uh, that Spider-Man show. Right, kind of like they did with the, the Avengers show. Right. So yeah, there you go, Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, there's a clip in there that that um, I'm I'm actually sl- slightly curious as to how they did that. I'm like, okay, because knowing what we know about what happens in Superior Spider or how Superior Spider-Man happens, right? You know, I, I can't imagine they went down fully that route. Uh, anyway, now, folks. Kevin Feige confirms complete Phase 4 was revealed, and this happened at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And the mini-nerdgasm happened during the, you know, during the the course of this. Yeah, they basically, uh, they basically monopolized the internet, like, all Saturday afternoon and evening with these, with these uh, announcements. Right. So I'm go- I got two articles I'm going off of uh, here because one of them is just a wall of text and another one's got pictures and whatnot. So, so here's the lineup: um, Black Widow, uh, May- well, first off, Black Widow, uh, The Eternals, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange, uh, and the Multiverse of Madness, and Thor: Love and Thunder. Those are the movies that are coming out in Phase Four, and along with that are, are the Disney Plus shows: uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wait, did I say the tunnels? Well, yeah, I think I did. Anyway, WandaVision, which all these are shows that we knew about, but there's just more, a lot more information. Loki, What If, and Hawkeye, which uh, Hawkeye probably was the one that we did not really know about, uh, but was kind of rumored. Uh, and along with all of these were, um, oh, wait, hold on. There's one missing out of this. Blade, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting a new Blade movie. Although that is not in Phase Four, right? That's why you, exactly. That's why you didn't have it listed in that Phase Four right, lineup, right? Right, but it was announced um, mm. nonetheless. And uh, we are, like I said, we get a new Blade, uh, and Mahershala Ali is going to be playing Blade, which is probably probably the, the best casting you could have done at this point. So I am definitely looking forward to that. And we got a little bit more news on that in a little bit. So, yeah. Um, and we got, like I said, with all the announcements and we got, um, like I said, the, the dates to come along with that and uh, casting some casting announcements, or at least the cast that, uh, that we know of so far in all of these movies, including the Eternals, um, to go along with this. So thoughts, fellas? Uh, wow. Um, just very quickly, at least, you know, the, the, 
they're they're selling the interconnectivity of the of the Disney Plus shows with the movies because they did tease that certain things would be leading into the movies, such as the WandaVision show would be a lead-in to the Doctor Strange movie. Um, right. Specifically, um, the, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the, um, uh, what was it, there was, was there another connection? Uh, the Loki show, I think, would lead into the Thor movie. Right. That's it. Yes. And and some of these shows are coming off of uh, like I think One Division is coming off of In Game, uh, Falcon obviously Falcon and Winter Soldier is right uh, because of the end of In Game, uh, and and shows tie into to the movies are not that you know not unsurprising because Agents of Shield did it for the last what five six seasons whatever the case maybe so that's not unheard of right but this is a lot stronger because exactly. they are all being operate they're all operated under the same Marvel Studios banner now. So it's going to be a lot more, uh, it's going to be more inter- interconnected. It's going to be, uh, uh, the, the word I'm searching for is, um, uh, you know, they're, they're just going to be uh, better. Yeah, I, yeah, they're all connected, but yeah, coordinated. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you very yeah. much. They're, all, they're going to be better coordinated uh, moving forward. Yeah. And like I said, I don't want to, you know, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read in all these names, but like, and I've already said, Mahershala Lee's playing Blade. Uh, we're going to get a grown-up, Monica Rambeau. Um, I believe they got, they got Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Yeah, yeah that's a, well, I was going to say, thanks for, for bringing up the grown-up Monica Rambeau and showing up in a weird place, uh, showing up in that WandaVision show. Right. So uh, not where I thought uh, they would introduce her, but it might be a way of empowering her. Um, maybe you know, yeah. how she gains her powers. Yeah, so not, right. So that's not uh, you know it, it's not the the craziest idea in the world. That's what I was I, I thought of when uh, when that was announced. Um, you know, shout out to um, uh, Kumail Nanjiani again. I know that that wasn't a surprise, but shout out right. to him. Um, yeah, all of the, the the most of the cast of the Eternals were pretty much known, with the exception of probably Gilgamesh. And I think Brian Terry Henry as Fastos that was another one that wasn't known. I know we know how some hike was, uh, and the uh, casting for Sprite, Leah McHugh, I guess. Right. I'm not sure if that one was. Right. Um, and, and shout out to C, uh, C, uh, oh, what is his name? It's already escaped my mind. Our boy Shang Chi. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. So let's get to that real quick. Yeah. So we we got the actor that's playing um, Shang Chi in the Shang Chi movie. We're also given the title of the name. Uh, he's going up against the the Mandarin, which we've already seen in the Mandarin, the, the universe, but probably not the same. Tony, Tony, if you're yeah, if you're yes, if you're an Asian of a certain vintage, I mean. Or even if you're not, you know, you know. Um, yeah, if you watch that that era of exactly. I'm so excited for that. Yeah, if you watch that era of movie, like, uh, uh, you know, affairs. Exactly, yeah. exactly. If you, if that's you the one that you asked me to watch, but oh, you, you know, that's what um, the Jack Nicholson Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, right? part, yeah. 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 Simu Simu uh, Liu. Was cast as Shang Chi, and he got this. And I don't see, I don't think Roddy Cap put the story on um, on our list, but he literally spoke this into the air, into the world, into oh, the right. no, I don't know that. and it happened. He yeah. literally 
trolled Marvel for this role and got his name on the list. And obviously he's pre-qualified by being an actor one and, and, and a martial artist and fit person two. So, you know, he, he was going to be on the short list. Um, right. Basically, yeah, basically yeah, but he got short. himself, he got it made by literally speaking it into the air. Right. There was a tweet out here and saying, hey, basically it was him saying, hey, Marvel, we're going to talk. And then I think he retweeted again saying, thanks for getting back to me. And when this was announced. Right. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was similar. And I don't think I have this in the lineup or maybe I do. Uh, the similar to way Mahershala Ali got Blade. So you basically. Um... It's different because uh, my understanding is that Mahershala Ali called up Kevin Feige. Well, yeah. Meeting, and he said, I want to play Blade. And they were like, OK. Well, yeah. Basically. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you know. He basically did his Oscars over his shoulder when it happened. Um, hey, me, Cottonmouth, and you know all the and, and, and you know and there's other stuff I did that I just won won awards for. Yeah, what up? It's just a little different. <laughs> I mean, you're right, but still, like I say, basically, hey, they put it out there and they got it. So, um, oh wait, um, let's see. So there's that. Then there's the Shang-Chi stuff. There's uh, this Dark Strange movie, which um, apparently Scarlet Witch is going to be in there. So, just, you know, as we said, there's a tie there. There's the animated anthology One If series, which Jeffrey White's going to be the watcher. So cool. Right. Uh, and there's a whole big cast list, which is another article I'll, I'll put in about that. Um, there's the Hawkeye show, which is going to be Jerry Renner. A lot of people are not too happy about that. I'm not sure how to feel about that, even though I love Hawkeye. Keep the chip. Kate Bishop. That's all you yeah, need to know. Exactly. And then that was the part I was going to get to. The best we're going to get out of that. Why, why, why are people unhappy? They don't like Hawkeye because he's a human dude that shoots arrows. Um. Well, there is that, and they don't. I don't think they don't like Jerry Renner. And well, there was also. I know there was some. There was some hubbub about when he uh, in Endgame when he was going around shooting people of color, and you know. Um. So yeah, you know, th- there was a lot of that uh, nowadays. So, like, here's my thing about that. Like, it's like a, Hawkeye is a, a character I love, and when he showed up in Thor it, it, for that brief moment, I was like, okay, they they kind of got him. They kind of got him, and then it kind of went nowhere. You know, through the whole process, and that was that's kind of my thing. But at the same time, you know, whatever. And I don't know. I, I would add that the character. Yeah, I would add that the character is a little complicated. Uh, in, no, in, no, no, in the MCU universe, because he's a cross between uh, the Marvel comics and the Ultimate Comics version. So there's, sure. so, th- so I think they, I honestly think they weren't 100 percent sure how to how to tell more of his story. Um, so I think the TV show is a perfect uh, vehicle for. I, don't know. I feel like I feel like that's a Budapest thing, Budapest problem. <laughs> um, and it seems, and actually, hell, they could they could go back. So, so here was another one. I was thinking another thing. Um, not to go too far into this, but if they hadn't done what they did with Mockingbird on Agents of Shield, they could have totally done like his first, um, when his first uh, or second um, miniseries where they met. Yeah. So there there is stuff out there they could do, and and yeah. he ties with Black Widow's obviously parents, so he's probably going to be in that movie, which uh, we find out a little bit more on. Um. So, would it be out of the question that they bring Mockingbird into this Hawkeye series? Who's to say they should? I yeah, mean, it's are. not out of the question yet. I mean, it would be funny. It, it's funny that they didn't tease that up front, but I think it's better that they tease Kate Bishop because uh, yeah, people have been asking for that. And see, and that's why the reason I don't think they're going to do Mockingbird though, 
because this is probably and if they if they go the lawns of uh, fraction series, all the better. Right. But um, yeah, that, but that's the reason why I don't think they're going to. Uh, maybe they bring her. Maybe they bring her in as an old flame or an old agent team up. We'll see. That'd be, that'd be nice. Plus she's and plus she's on um the Orville now, so I don't know if she's going anywhere anytime soon. If they if they unless they recast her, which I hope they didn't, because she was she was pretty dope in that part. Um and let's see what is it? Like I said, um oh the the, the so there was that Thor, Thor Love and Thunder so the fourth uh the Ragnarok I mean fourth uh Thor movie Taika YDT is back to return. We already said that last week. Um and the big thing off of this is that Jane Foster Natalie Portman will lift. Me all near as the mighty Thor. It, it says here the female Thor, but that's okay. We got something on that in a minute. So, which led me to question, and somebody else asked this on Twitter. I'm like, does she actually really want to do that? I mean, I guess she signed on to it, so yeah, but I don't know. She didn't seem too keen on it after all the stuff, after stuff she said after, you know, Dark World. Didn't seem like she would really want to come back to the role. I think a lot of that had to do with Patty Jenkins uh, being removed from uh, the director seat in Thor uh, Dark World. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with the direction of that movie, to be honest. So yeah. I'm not surprised that she's willing to jump back on the bandwagon now that she knows that it's super successful. <laughs> and, and that there's a story that where she's going to be playing more of a lead role. So yeah. I think that is more than anything is what convinced her to join. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this and, and we had a discussion about this over the last couple of shows about mainstream actors that still haven't joined into the MCU or even the DCEU or even the X-Men universe. Um, and uh, there's, there's, there's still a decent chunk left that, you know, even though we look at the cast list for Endgame and it's just this gigantic list of, actors that you recognize from all over the place but there's still plenty of people out there who are just like i don't want to do a superhero thing but they they convinced her to come back because now it's good and like i said they have a role for her that she's going to be playing front and center but think about it Gwendolyn christie as mighty thor how good would that would have been <laughs> think about it but it doesn't fit the character yes it does come on stop it <laughs> no it doesn't because jane foster was never that imposing well, you can laugh like, all you want, but I think you make those Oh well, okay. Let's put it this way. How about this? Natalie Portman still plays Jane Foster, and then she switches over into Gwendolyn Christie playing Thor. It's How an option. That? It's an option, but that's my point. You know, like that's not you know that's not uh, you know that's not out of the uh, realm of possibility. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, it'd be nice to see Gwendolyn Christie playing a role in any Marvel movie. It doesn't necessarily have to be the uh, the mighty Thor. So, anyway, so to close this out, um, because so because we still got a bunch, bunch, bunch to do. Uh, it said Black Widow movie. That's still a thing. Um, Red Guardian was announced. Uh, uh, was it Red Guardian, somebody else, I think. Yeah, Dave Harbour is Red uh, is going to be Alexi, aka Red Guardian, and somebody else. I think they announced. I can't remember, but I, it doesn't matter at this point. But that movie's still going on, and I think from what I hear, it sounds like Budapest is going to come up. Yeah, they, it seems like they've teased the casting of the Taskmaster as well. Yes, that was it. Uh, thank you. But they don't have it in this article. Right. They've, uh, you know, th there's a tease of uh, a character called the Iron Maiden. Um, uh, that's the Molina character. I think that uh, Rachel Weiss is, uh, Weiss. Yeah. is uh, going to be playing. 
So uh, that seems, you know, it seems like that that movie's starting to come together. So and, and there's going to be plenty of uh, uh, characters for uh, the widow to play off of. Yeah. So there we go. And we pretty much did all of that. Uh, next up, uh, Falcon and World Two the Soldiers. Anthony Mackie has worn the suit. Apparently, no surprise that they're in uh, production already. Yeah, well, it says filming hasn't has begun until October, but yeah, but they, they've already started doing some things on it. So. Yep. so there you go. There's that. Next up. Falcon uh, and Winter Soldier. So we got a first look during the panel uh, of a message that uh, Daniel Bruhl's uh, Zemo character sent to uh, uh, the, the, the attendees and the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and it hints at uh, Zemo adopting the purple mask, the purple hooded mask of the Baron Zemo we all know and love. So, But will it stick? Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. But it's pretty cool that they're going to be using that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, we kind of just talked about this, except for, uh, well, we know Jeff Wright's doing the voice of uh, the Watcher in the, the What If animated series, and apparently there's a bunch of other castings that they... Um, that they uh, and things that they're going to do with that, including like Agent Carter and a bunch of people from that series, is going to going to do voices on that and sure. uh, a bunch of other people. And Taserface is coming back because the dude from uh, This Is Us, I think his name is Chris Sullivan, is on the list. And I'm like, wait, that's the dude from This Is Us. What does he do again? And I looked it up, and it's Taserface. So he's going to be on one of these What If uh, uh, animated uh, shorts. That's going to be pretty cool. Taser face, oh god. <laughs> um, anywho, so yes, Tessa Topkins Valkyrie will get LGBTQ uh, relationship in Thor Love and Thunder. I believe she was asked in an interview and uh, basically said, Yeah, and she also said that, or at least on a tweet or something, she's like, a, a king needs a queen or something like that. You know, tweet or yeah, something. that's gonna be all right, that's gonna be what her uh, her quest is that she's mm-hmm. got to find. Uh, that's what she mentioned. The first thing she's got to do is find a queen, so. That's pretty interesting that uh, this was the reveal that I think Kevin Feige had in mind. Yes. Uh, when he said, they, you know, we already have one. And for fans of the comics, she was on the short list. Mm-hmm. Yes. That character was on the short list of characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe who would have been revealed as such. So uh, congrats, to the, you know, congrats to the character and congrats to them for, uh, you know, their, their progressive stance. So. Yeah, and there, there was there was also a rumor that a lot of that stance comes after came after Figer got power from from Ike. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, 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 so pretty much that. Yeah. yeah. So next up, the so, so yeah, yeah. Next up, on uh, this is the uh, the the uh, the, uh, the follow up to that uh, bit that we spoke about earlier. Taiko Waititi uh, confirms that Natalie Portman is the Mighty Thor, not female Thor, because uh, female Thor is silly. Um, I think what we what we jokingly called her was Chick Thor, which is even worse. But um, you know, I definitely yeah. take responsibility for that. <laughs> um, I do. You can't, you know, send all hate mails at Asia underscore seventy on Twitter. Hey, um, we, we 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 know better. We do better. So you know. So, but uh, but yeah, what's cool is that they, you know, he's literally calling her the Mighty Thor, which was the name of the title of her book. Exactly, and what they're going to be seemingly going off of, which was um, which made uh, Jason Eric ecstatic, obviously for multiples of reasons. 
Um, Jeff Goldblum teases MCU return for Thor, Love and Thunder. So the Grandmaster is supposedly coming back, I guess. Because I guess he tweeted out. Um, wait, why is the thing not showing? Weird. The tweet was showing earlier. But um, there it is. No, that's not it. That's that's um, that was not the actual tweet. Okay. So I think Jeff Goldblum had tweeted that um, basically had the Thor, the the logo and had uh, and not forgetting Grandmaster underneath it when he when he tweeted that out and. It was funny, but I can't find a tweet on that. So that's one of those situations where it's nice that they didn't kill off the bad guy. Right. You know, it's nice yeah. that they can actually bring some of them back. Yeah, and one of the few instances that they've done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, Wesley Snipes congratulates Mahershala Ali after Marvel announced the Blade reboot at Comic Con. So uh, Wesley Snipes. Um, posted this online. I definitely saw, I think it was a Twitter post. It was a tweet, yeah, from Slice from Blunt. Yeah, y'all chillax and it's all good. And basically went on to say, I want to thank my brother Mahershala Ali and show up. Yeah, that's not what he does. He's at the right. Salam. Right. So if you didn't if you didn't if you thought if you thought you you saw a, 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 a decent number of blade uh, uh cosplays around various <laughs> Comic Cons, you're gonna see a lot more now. Yeah. Wonder what happened to that Blade's daughter thing. I guess we'll never know. Uh, but anyway, moving forward, uh, why didn't Marvel announce the next Spider-Man movie at, at Comic Con 2019? Now it is probably more obvious to us than some people who were ever asking this, and that's because the Sony property. I mean, Sony's license. So that's why it'll come eventually. Yep. So speaking of speaking of Marvel's next phase. Uh, the studio seems to already know its Phase 5 slate and its next crossover event, but did not announce it at Comic-Con, uh, probably because there's a lot, uh, too yeah. much to talk about. Um, he, uh, Feige actually spoke to MTV News after the uh, Hall H presentation and um, answered a question about the lack of an Avengers team in film and confirmed that uh, all this stuff is in the works for Phase 5 and beyond. Right, and as we already said, uh, uh, Blade seems to be at the beginning of, um, of, or at least at the, somewhere near the beginning of uh, Phase Five, and there were some rumors going about, like shortly after this uh, article came out, that the next crossover is possibly going to be Annihilation, mm-hmm. which also didn't yep. get to why it's coming back to the comic books again. So yeah, so whether that pans out or not, which just makes sense because where else are you gonna go but up, right? <laughs> so analysis was probably the in the long line. I mean, yeah, they could do some secret empire, and I'm sure that's good, but they actually they could do. We talked about it before they could do secret empire, but eh, some of that's kind of screwed. I mean, they, they've already teased the Kree scroll. Not secret empire, but um, secret they, they invasion. some secret empire, right? And you know, well, they kind of did, yeah. But I mean, right. secret invasion. Right in terms of right in terms of cosmic, they could do the Kree Scroll War, but if they wanted to do like universe spanning stuff, it'd be hard. They'd be hard pressed to to find a better story than Annihilation. Yep. Um, With all the properties kind of yeah. in halt again, you, you you got them. The pieces are in place. Yep. Um, Dark Phoenix gets a new title for home release. I'm just really not upset about that. Didn't do that great. Yeah, didn't do that great in the, in the box office, um, which I feel is kind of on the line of X Men movies at this point. 
Right, but I think it was also influenced by the fact that a lot of people are like, you know what, uh, you know, Disney owns Fox. Disney has the you know Marvel has its characters back. I don't think anyone really took that movie very seriously, at least from my perspective. Right, that, which would make sense because yeah, this was the last one that was strictly Fox before all that went down. So yeah, or in the midst of all that going down, I should say. Yeah. So, yeah. but again, oh, I got the next story. Yep. <laughs> oh. All of the pettiness paid off, ladies and gentlemen. Avengers Endgame officially beats Avatar as the highest grossing movie of all time. We've been like this for months, ladies and gentlemen. Y'all know if y'all been watching or listening. (laughs) Yes, it's petty. Yes, it's petty. And as Roddy Cat is wont to say, all the money is going to the same place. I disagreed with that at the time yeah. because uh, the money went to Fox first, you know, well before the merger. But now it's nice to see on boxofficemojo.com, not an endorsement, but shout out to them for keeping track. Um, it's nice to see Endgame in that slot for all time. Yeah, that was a, there was a tweet from Chris Abella that I, that was also kind of amusing on the other side of this because somebody else had kind of tweeted something like that and he was like, you know, basically was this is like, um, yeah, I don't know, you Nick not getting it. Somebody's real happy for somebody who's not getting any of the money from this, and I'm like, yeah, that's true, but at the same time, right? Like, let them be happy, shoot. <laughs> exactly. It's just you know what, it's petty, but you know what, I'm down with the petty. Yeah. So. There is that. And uh, on that note, uh, Karen Gillan perfectly sums up the Avengers Endgame uh, beating Avatar to box office by saying uh, a sentence I'll likely never say again in my life. Our film has become the biggest film in cinematic goddamn history. <laughs> the tweet. So. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as, as another follow-up, uh, the Russo brothers sent uh, a thank you to James Cameron following... Uh, uh, Endgame taking over the box office all-time lead. So yeah, and I believe he in turn, you know, congratulated them. Yep. At the same time, so you know, it is until he get that bug on Durham again. Um, next up, speaking of bugs, Spider-Man: Far From Home is now the highest-grossing Spidey movie, as it nears one billion. Excuse me, sorry, one billion dollars online worldwide. Excuse me, worldwide. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not. You don't even. It, it, it seems cheap to say that it was piggybacking off of Endgame, but at the end of the day, I think of everyone um, who may have hesitated to see this over that long holiday weekend heard positive word of mouth, and I think people went to see it after. So, it, you know, that, that that's reason. Uh, that's definitely one reason for some uh, some box office longevity. Right, and I'm pretty sure, yeah, like you, like you can allude to, that first week probably gave it, a, you know, a nice big lead because normally, you know, movies come out on a Thursday, uh, officially on a Friday, and you got that whole weekend. Well, this had a, like at least two, three other days. Right, you know? but but as as people want to do, a lot of people go on vacation, and true, go out of town, so they may not get to the theaters, but unless they go out of town, right. But I think the positive word of mouth helped, you know, uh, keep the, the the train moving on that. Mm-hmm. And as we keep this train moving, uh, Shiraz SDCC panel revealed Adora's true origins and how they nabbed Gina Davis. So apparently Gina Davis is uh, doing a voice on the show. Okay. Um, so cool. 
Next up. All right. This is actually uh, good news for me. Every episode of Robotech is now available to stream for free because I've barely watched any of it. Yeah, um, alongside a bunch of special features. Yeah. So this. Uh, so yeah. So this was a. Is Harmony Gold who put this? Uh, who's who has the license for it? Which is kind of sad because their their um, version of this, or at least the last version I remember seeing, was not great mm-hmm. uh, as far as translations go. But hey, they got the things. But anyway, the the original distributor of the series, being them, has announced a partnership with FilmRise, which is a, a streaming service I have not heard from heard of. Um, let's see, all of Robotech, including 11 hours of bonus features, are hitting streaming platforms, including Voodoo for free, with, with commercials, obviously. Right. Um, I think, where does it say? Yeah, so see, on FilmRise streaming service, Roku channel, or Voodoo, which is all free, like I said, with you know, things. So, if you haven't checked out Robotech, good luck. I mean, it's kind of hard to get into at first, but hey, you know, run with it. Right, and there was a time when, and, and people have to remember that there was a time, you know, people of a certain vintage will remember that there was a time when a lot of this stuff just was not that available. Yep. And in recent years, obviously, let's say within the last decade, and even within the, within the last five years when streaming has become uh, 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 the, uh, the main uh, avenue for uh, distribution of, uh, of anime, uh, you know, everything is... You know, at everyone's beck and call at your fingertips. This was not always the case. So, having the ability to go back, you know, to these older series is a, is, is a boon, is a, is a godsend for a lot of us who missed out on this when we were younger. And, and, and this kind of blew my mind when I was a kid, when it was because it was serialized. Right. Mm-hmm. Episode. It was you know, you know, you had to watch it in order, or you didn't know what was going on. Right. So hey, look at it. it's also all there's all together, and don't think that they did anything else to it outside of just put it out. So it is, and so but yeah, hey, it's worth watching. It uh, for at very least the historic stuff of it. Um, all right, so we're gonna transition to comic news now. We very much are. <laughs> and again, another two pager. So we're gonna try to blow through some of this real kind of quick. Um, DC Universe Online is uh, coming to the Switch on August 6th, 2019. So DCUO um, is the basically uh, the DC Universe MMO. Uh, it's a more strict MMO like uh, Marvel, unlike Marvel Heroes was, and it's, it is what it is. I, the, the less I say about it, but it's, it's, better. it's pretty bland, but they got a lot of content in it, so all right, speaking of uh, Transformers, it's kind of fitting that I played that particular show. Oh, and it's also fitting that Matt's still here. <laughs> so uh, three of the most obscure Transformers have been modernized for 2019. So these are the Firecons? I don't remember these. These were released in 1988, and they uh, were little robots that turned into spark-spitting monsters. Uh yeah, one years later they're making a comeback. So yeah, this is for the, the Transformers uh, trading card game, which I've talked about uh, before, and I know uh, Matt's also a, a fan of, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, so this is yeah, so this is a new thing that's coming out. They they've been they've been supporting this thing pretty decently. I'm 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 uh, happy for that because and but it's Wizards of the Coast, so you know they're gonna they're gonna do their thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm good friends with the the guy who runs this. Transformers oh, no. CG and um, we're, we're us as fans, we're in good hands. 
It's great to know. Okay. That so, let me say, I know it's getting late, Matt. I don't know. You said you might yeah. want to. No, I, unfortunately, I do have to turn to a pumpkin. So, um, no, I was about to this. say, we're running, you know, we've got a lot of news to roll through. I'll be passing yeah, so out. Maybe, maybe you see some to all of this. Thank you guys for having me on. And, uh, you know, uh, just want to say hello to all your fans out there, and uh, I'll watch the rest of this tomorrow. You got it, man. We have to have you again when when less is going on, and, and you've caught up on some books. Yeah, I will definitely will. Just uh, let me know when. No right, problem, take care, guys. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Peace. <laughs> yeah, I saw him kind of fading out. So I was yeah, like, I'm, I'm, like, like <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually dying right now. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get past a lot of this real quick. So the coolest um, Star Wars and Marvel actually probably should have kept on for this one, but no, it's fine. Um, the coolest Star Wars and Marvel reveals um, has were brought to Comic Con. So yeah, there was a bunch of legend stuff, which you are I know Agent Seven has been on top of this and knows has been sticking on this. But yeah, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff and Marvel uh, Legends figures uh, and Star Wars figures that are that was announced and shown at the show. Yeah, there's a lot of new figures out. Uh, they're, you know, Hasbro has picked up their game. Uh, they're obviously taking advantage of the of the renewed focus on X Men. Um, you know, in the Marvel Legends line, there's, you know, they're still obviously dealing with the with the movie stuff. Um, you know, it's just there, there's a lot of stuff out there. And in terms of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, as always, there's a renewed focus on um, the Black series, but also, um, you know, just increasing uh, the diversity of the lineup as well. Mm-hmm. And apparently they got a new one. So these are the, uh, if you're watching the video, I'm kind of going through the, the picture show, uh, the slideshow of uh, some of the stuff. They have uh, a set of Star Wars figures from the Galaxy of Avengers, Ventures uh, mm-hmm. animated series. And then there's some other stuff. And then, uh, like uh, 87 said, there's a, the Black series, uh, Boba Fettelman. Helmet, and then they have a new set. That apparently, they're they're working on called Hyper Real. Uh, and you, if you're watching the uh, video, you can see the the, the Hyper Real Bespin Luke Skywalker figure, which is pretty good looking, actually. Um, and life like the movie. Yeah, I was about to say, in, in terms of price, that's got to be less than Hot Toys, but it's going to be on the higher side. Yeah. Uh. Well, we'll see. So, at, okay. So, apparently, this camp was at Toy Fair earlier this year. So, this is not exactly new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we announced another big scale line, Hyper Real, an eight inch scaled uh, range of figures that utilizes an internal armature, uh, deluxe fabrication, and costuming techniques uh, with a host of extra accessories. So, yeah, this is probably going to be pricey. Yep. Oh, uh, wait. It says here. Um, the younger Skywalker isn't set for release until autumn 2020, but in here cost 80 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, and it's that's, not, I, mean, yeah, I was about to say it's not hot toys, but it's definitely on the expensive side. Right. It's a little more. Yeah, it's a little more than the. And I know there's a Darth Vader one, which I know there's a uh, article about uh, that is coming now, but we can kind of whatever. But yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff, including um, Brothor figure. Um, then there's a couple of figures. There was a Cosmic Ghost Rider and a Squirrel Girl on a scooter, on a moped rather, uh, which I know the Agent Seventy is is down for. Yeah, it's a great rendition of the character. Anyone who's following me on social media would have seen yeah. my my uh, justification for getting a Squirrel Girl uh, figure. Yes, and that I said that Cosmic Ghost Rider figure kind of looks all right. That's uh, insane. That thing is gigantic. The the motorcycle. Yeah. 
those th- listen, those motorcycle, the full size motorcycles are not small. I own um, the uh, the first Ghost Rider that they put out and the Black Widow bike. Those mm. are not small. That Cosmic Ghost Rider thing looks gigantic. Yeah, that's some shelf space. Uh, yeah, being, a little bit of shelf space that's being taken. So and especially if you're doing it, you know, so that you can see the full view of the bike. So. Mm-hmm. Um, also, and probably good. I think so. I meant to ask you about this. Uh, the Shang Chi figure that is also was announced. Right. This is a preview, so we don't have a final design yet. Exactly. Um, wait, does he have a figure already, or no? No, no, no. So no. this is yeah. So this is the first one. Yep. Um, and then we got uh, Velocity. I think that's Velocity Suit Spider Man and a couple other Spider Man figures. Uh, yeah, it's nice to get. It's nice to get a classic uh, Marvel Universe, not Ultimate. Uh, uh, vulture figure, right. which is there you go, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's Morph, like I said, renewed focus on the X Men, yeah. And of course, um, versions of other versions of the X Men, including well, it's not here, but there's a uh, the Deadpool set, multi packs. Uh, here we go, the 90s X Men set, which is uh, has a set. If, with uh, Gene, Wolverine, and Scott. Yeah, it's the only w- it's the only way you can get that '90s Jim Lee costume for Jean Grey. Um, she's got an alternate head, and it's kind of cool that they have a Cyclops there with uh, with the jacket on as well. It's got different. It's a different uh, uh, version. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, the Havoc and Polaris set. Because obviously they go together. Shout out to Peter David and Larry Stroman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Next to the, the 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 Deadpool and Hit Monkey set. That one came out of left field. Yeah, you know, there I, I, you figured there was going to be another Deadpool set or something. But yeah, but definitely the Hit Monkey one was like, huh? All yep. right. So and there's the Giant Man from from Captain America Civil War and some other stuff. Yeah, they're reissuing. I was going to say they're reissuing. Uh, just very quickly, they're reissuing some of the uh, the Builder figures. Yeah, as um as as an uh, individual, so that's pretty cool because um some of those are pretty hard to get. You know, they were, um, you know, not as easy to uh, put together, especially if you did not buy a, a set. So it's nice that they're giving people a chance to buy um a giant man and uh, a juggernaut as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a the, the Doctor Doom figure. Oh, there's that a- Doom is awesome. That Doom does look good. So. Um, and also Savage She-Hulk uh, figure, which I don't believe she's had one before. Not this version. Yeah, she had a she had a she. There was a regular She-Hulk figure as part of the A Force box. Oh right, I have that actually. Um, uh, strong guy. This is a pretty impressive build a figure. <laughs> that's just an impressive looking figure. That's not that's not bad. Uh, Punisher. I gotta take a look at that. A uh, little uh, alternate head. I don't know if that's supposed to be the mask. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks like or some face paint. Right, yeah. it's hard to tell. If it was the mask, like that cloth mask from the um, from the Mister Rod's design, that right. would be pretty awesome. Right. Uh, um, Deathlock. Right from the X Force. Mm-hmm. Danny Moonstar. And the cool thing about this is that. If you buy three of them, you get three fig- you get three characters because it comes with alternate heads for Wolfsbane and Karma. Right. That's kind of weird, but I get it, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so so that's pretty much that um on that line, so a whole bunch of stuff coming down on that one. 
So now we're getting some actual comic book stuff, and although there is some store stuff still coming. Uh, Hickman Cypher may reveal titles for the new X-Men line. So apparently um, you know, a lot of stuff came out. Of it. Oh, I wish I should also point out before we go any further. Um, solicits for October 2019 for DC Comics and Marvel Comics have come out. So therefore, some of this news is going to be from that. Right. Uh, that being said, this came from out of uh, San Diego with um, from the Next Big Thing panel. And apparently um, after that panel, you know, as as it says here, X-Men Twitter has cracked the case and someone, whatever cipher that was put out, which I'm guessing those those letters. Yeah, from, it was like a one-to-one. Uh, yeah, I, I read this. It was like a pretty straightforward one-to-one code. So Right. Um, so, so X-Men Marauders, Excalibur, X-Force, New Mutants, Fallen Angels, is that what it said? And guess what, folks? <laughs> uh, we are getting... New X-Men, New Mutants titles, Excalibur, Marauders, um, coming with Dawn of X. So, yeah, so a bunch of X-Books that are coming this fall. Um, I'm kind of excited for that Excalibur one, even though it's not the classic team. Um, the Marauders one seems interesting, because that seems like something that seems, that's out of an Elseworlds um, or, or, or multiversal thing. Fallen Angels, that's an interesting one to come back. Right. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know. That's just, um, and I don't even know. Let's see. What's interesting is that they're using some of these titles that carry negative connotations. So it will be, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that will affect sales. Hmm. You know, uh, maybe even initial ordering. So it's, it's, like it's right. It definitely carries a negative connotation. Yeah, like so, that one was kind of a weird one, and it has nothing to do with that. Um, well, with the concept of the Marauders, right? So it's it's you know we'll we'll see how that goes with the with the ongoing you know with the ongoing stories that they're going to tell. So yeah, apparently this is the Marauders in the most nautical, aka pirate sense, according to the, what Solicitor says. Because right. when I read that and I didn't think about it, I was like, wait, Captain Kate Pride, what the heck? And then I thought about it for a second, I was like, oh wait. And then the crew, you know, that's that's so clearly there's going to be something that's going on. There, there's you know. From, coming out of House of X, Powers of X, that's going to um, Secret Wars, this whole thing. We will see. Definitely. So yeah, th- so that's all of that. Uh, so new Xbox, I know Tim is happy as a clam. Um, yeah. New Mutants coming back, because especially after Rosenberg's run, which we kind of figured would have happened. You know, we just didn't mm-hmm. know how or when, so that, that was already answered, so we can get past that. So you take this next one. Uh, yes. Face the Tiger, you're getting an amazing Mary Jane ongoing. So this is hot off the heels of uh, Mary Jane coming back into the spotlight in the Amazing Spider-Man issue number 25. Uh, there's a new story, uh, a, a new series that's been announced that's going to follow her exploits, um, written by Leah Williams and art and art by Carlos Gomez. Hmm. Not to be confused with that series she had in 2004-2005, which was basically her in high school. Right. That's vastly different. Yes, what it seems like. So that should be interesting. Um, Marvel going back to into going back into the Spider-Verse with new title. So, yeah, announced Friday during the Spider-Man panel at Comic-Con, uh, Spider-Verse will be drawn by a host of artists, including Juan Figueri, Art, Atho- Art, Art Adams, 
Stuart Eminem and Stacy Lee. So those are some names. Uh, and in addition to that, Into the Spider-Verse character designer uh, Wendell Dallet will be drawing covers for the book. And apparently this is being centered around Miles. Um, and it says, uh, Miles Morales finally feels like he gets this Spider-Man stuff, and then he falls to a portal, which I guess he kind of sort of just did, but not necessarily knowing if that, I don't think that has anything to do with that. Um... But isn't the web of life and destiny destroyed? Reads Marvel's description. Maybe not true believer, but who spun this new web? So I guess there's, yeah, there's, there's. We'll stuff. see. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's the next step in that story. Right. Um, and said, yeah, it's going to be written by Jen McKay, and it's a six-issue uh, series. Nice. So milking that into the Spider Verse money. Next up. In the category of timely by accident. <laughs> Marvel's returning to 2099 in a big way. Um, believe it or not, uh, I see what you did there with the timely. By the way, that was- yeah, because it's double. It, 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 there's a couple of facets to that little spin, you know, a couple of plugs mm-hmm. in there. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you have a story on this, but it came out that at a writers' retreat, um, I, I think it was slot. I'm not sure if it was slot. I think it was slot. Who came out and said uh, at the most re- at the writers retreat where they d- discussed uh, this stuff that's coming up in October? He said that uh, you know it's the, it's the 80th anniversary of Marvel, but 80 years from now is 2099, and everyone like like everyone's jaw dropped. Right. Like so, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't have you couldn't have did that uh, intentionally if you tried. Yep. So no, I don't have that. I mean, I see, yeah, I, I see the advertisement, but that literally came out of that. Literally came out, came up in the meeting, and that's where that whole idea came from. Right. So there you go, folks. So that this is why twenty ninety nine, which we already know, uh, Miguel is back in the present due right. to uh, recent Spider Man, uh, Spider Man twenty five. So where that's gonna go, who knows? Are they bringing back the twenty nine nine line? Who knows? Well, at the very least, they have to, you know, they'll, they'll bring it in as part of the uh, anniversary celebration. So that's, that's at the very least, that's what they should do. Right. And the whole, and it says, what, 1939? I wonder if they're going to do something on that part, because I don't think they have a timeline for that. But it, it is what it is. We'll find Cap- out. <laughs> Early Captain America. I know, right? Um, like, or, or maybe they'll gin up some, hey, there was a Spider-Man back then, back in the, <laughs> back at that time, and you know, no one knows about him. Yeah, I mean, Captain America came a couple of years later, but still. Right. So, uh, so next up, Miracle Man to appear in Marvel Comics 1000 by Gaiman and Buckingham. Wow. Yeah, I don't... Sure. I mean, it doesn't really... I mean, you know, for those of us who didn't grow up reading this character, it doesn't mean much, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, it's still impressive because they did purchase the character, but they're not 100% sure what to do with it. Actually, so, wait, didn't, didn't gaming give them this character, or was it Angela and them? I can't remember. He gave them a, a set of characters, I think. But well, you know, it, it, they, yeah. they obtained the character. Yeah. So, so yeah, there was that. Oh yeah, you know what? Back going back to that Marvel, um, that Marvel history thing, because this article kind of touches on it. Um, I, obviously, there's not going to be any Star Wars uh, related to the Marvel history in that facet. 
but they haven't mentioned Conan. And okay. that whole thing, which, I mean, obviously, I don't think there's, there's not that much reason why they would at this point, but you would think right. they were going through the early days and might mention, like, hey, this was going on in here, but doesn't go back into play until sometime later. Anyway. Uh, there's a new Doctor Doom ongoing that was announced from yes. uh, Halt and Catch Fire creator Christopher Cantwell and artist Sal LaRocca. Shout out Sal LaRocca. Yeah, so you know the art's going to be banging. Yep. Um, so here's okay. So here's a little tidbit about this that kind of messed with me for a second. Christopher Cantrell. Oh, is it Cantrell? Oh, I'm sorry. Cantwell. Uh, Cantrell. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there is, there is. I did a Google search thinking I was going to come across this person who did Halt and Catch Fire and a couple other shows or whatever. Uh, apparently, there is another person by that same name who's a neo-Nazi. Okay. And I thought, and the I think the Wikipedia also kind of mentioned Halt and Catch Fire on on his Wikipedia, so that might be a missed, uh, a, a thing on that part. But they don't look because. So here's the IMDb for this. Because they're different people, right? And that other person is actually this. Weirdly enough, he looks like um a SNL dude. Um, I can't remember his name. I can't remember right now. Um, but yeah, so this is the dude that's doing the. Uh, if you're watching the video, that is doing the book. Which again, hey, you know, be a writer in Hollywood. You can yeah. you can get your comic book. But anyway, uh, and not the neo-Nazi. Just in case you happen to do that search like I did. Because that's not a that. That's, Make sure you follow the right people, boys and girls. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah, there's a Doctor Doom ongoing happening, and uh, he's not taking Iron Man's place this time. Um, and we don't know the date of it, but we just know it's coming. Next up is you. Uh, Marvel's annihilation. Annihilation. I guess. Well, we, we kind of teased this earlier. Uh, Marvel's annihilation tease for return. So yeah, a, another event, which uh, they feel like they're going historic in historical order, except for they missed a couple. Um, just bringing them all back, folks. Marvel Annihilation, which is a big cosmic event. By wasn't this a uh, Abnett Landing? Yes. Um, that just blew up the 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 um the the cosmic uh, uh part of the the. The um, Marvel Universe, right? It definitely restarted, right? It definitely restarted focus on that corner uh, because uh, the, the, the story, you know, that that particular soil had grown uh, pretty fallow because uh, you know, in the wake of uh, the Infinity Saga stories, the Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, Infinity uh, whatever. I think mm-hmm. the third one was called Infinity Crusade. Jeez, I can't remember. It. I actually remember that. You know why I remember it? Because I own it. Um, and uh, uh, you know, after all that, um, you know, Marvel Marvel's cosmic corner of the universe really uh, didn't have too much going on until Annihilation really shook things up. Right. In fact, the current iteration of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy came out of this. Correct. The, the classic version. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, look out for that. It's apparently, Donny Cates is right into current uh, Guardians and Silver Silver Black, and is uh, involved in this project as well. We see where it's going. Yeah, there you go. You yeah, know, these are the seeds that we're that we're reading right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of something that we were literally reading right now, or just earlier, Jane Foster's first appearance is. As uh, Thor shoots up in price on eBay as a result of the casting announcement. 
And sure, that tends to happen with things like that. So, hey, you know. Really, and really, if you didn't already have it by now, what's wrong with you? <laughs> should have been, should have gone ahead on that. You know, actually, not so much. But actually, you know, it is what it is. Um, well, we talked about this earlier. Fearless is the first chapter of Marvel's female-driven anthology. So I basically talked about this already, and this is just a, um, an article mm-hmm. with um, um, an interview with uh, some people that that is um, some of the creative crew. Of the book, so mm-hmm. go check that out. All right, next up, this is actually on the confusing side. Mm-hmm. So, who is Marvel's new king? So, Marvel put out right after San Diego a teaser prepping the Marvel universe for a new anonymous monarch. So, it's a drawn teaser, and it features a blacked-out figure in a crown and scepter, uh, holding a scepter, sitting on a dragon throne atop what could be Doctor Strange's cape. It was accompanied by the text, Long Live the King. So we don't know what that is. I don't think it was in this uh, month's uh, solicits. It'll probably be in the next month's. Um, actually, I'm not sure either. Because, yeah, because I, like, like I said before we, we started, I did kind of look through the solicits. But, yeah, it may or may not have been there. Uh, Boxwell's art was a scene here. And I think it's Cottonmouth from Marvel's Netflix's Luke Cage. Yeah. Actually, I'm joking about that. But we'll see um, as things bear out. Uh, next up, Charles Souls' next Star Wars comic will tell the story behind the Knights of Ren. And this is canon, people. Canon. More canon, absolutely. So, which, you know, it's, it was it was bound to happen because we dang sure they haven't gotten much of about it in the current movies. So, which I assume the next one's probably going to shed some light on. Uh, we would... Uh, uh, that so yeah, Charles is gonna write it and say who's doing the art. Uh, just announced we're writing the rise. Of, uh, yeah, I saw this tweet. Uh, you know the one where everyone's dying to see about Kylo and the Knights of Ren. That's this. You're not. You're not ready. Hell, I'm barely ready. That was from Charles Soule's tweet uh, originally. Yeah, no, doesn't see anything about uh, who's doing the art on this though. So, I mean, if they were ever going to take advantage of the uh, platform to publish Star Wars canon. Oh, uh, trust me. They, there is, yeah, there is no shortage of Star Wars books, as, as you and I both know. <laughs> right. And no, but but this is, you know, but but to, to specifically lead into this movie, oh, this, totally. is, this is the time for them to take advantage of. Yeah, totally in canon stuff, as you know, with the um, Lucas uh, Storyboard group. So all, you know, all of this is above board. And I still need to finish reading Poe Dameron. Dameron. Um, and like I said, Charles, Charles Souls, who wrote um, that original Darth Vader series, which is pretty damn good. Um, you know, it just ought to be worth something. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, did he write Poe Dameron? I, can't, I think so, yeah. Um, so yeah. the next story is interesting. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it is getting late for us. But um, it's, I, I'm interested in, in reading more on this because Hasbro made a Darth Vader figure that is truly hyper-real by focusing on um, things that uh, kind of break the, the, the fantasy of realism um, in terms of the visuals, and that are, that's the, uh, the figure's action joints, the action figure's joints that allow it to, uh, you know, to, to, to uh, change its, um, its, its pose. So it's, uh, this should be an interesting read. I look forward to reading this. 
Right, and like I said, this goes back to the other article that we talked about a little bit ago with the, the Luke Skywalker figure. So this is just another one of those that, that I alluded to then. So yeah, and probably going to be probably a similarly priced thing. But yeah, this is basically about the, the tech behind that, it sounds like. So it's okay. worth a good read. Uh, next up, DC Collectibles reveals new statues by Doug Mankey and Todd McFarlane. Okay. So here's a bat, of course, because you got to have a Batman one. And here's a uh, black and white Batman. Yeah, that Todd McFarlane pose is pretty, uh, that's old school. That's that's straight out of his comic run. When, right. when he did some Batman, so. Yeah. So, and, you know, you can you can notice the style there. And of course, this other one, which is pretty cool in itself. So, cool. More Batman figure. Yay. Next. Yeah, so Tom King, writer of Batman series, uh, revealed a long-running question will finally be answered in Batman 80, part of the current City of Bane story arc that will wrap up his time on the Dark Knight. So is that when I drop the book? Well, I mean... But it says it's the beginning of the end. I'm like, oh, God. I was about to say, he's going to drop the book, what, five issues later, so... I want to drop it. I mean... I'm not not completely on board with uh, PCN underscore Dirt's feelings on the book, but even I'm getting frustrated. So... Mm -hmm. Well, you got to do what you feel. Yep. Uh, The... The, the, DC declares the, the death of the Speed Force this fall. So apparently, uh, in the Flash, um, after the Year One story arc, I guess, yeah, will the, the title will jump to the present day for the death of the Speed Force. Uh, Joshua Williams revealed the news on his Twitter account, listing the creative team joining him um, as artist Rafa Sandoval, Jordi Aragona, and Tomei Mori. So yeah. Have you been reading that that um, year one? Sorry, no. I think I read the first issue. Um, I'm not 100 sure where we are at this point. I did see issue 75 came out this week. Right, and I think it's, that, that that might be the the end of that or something. And so I don't know. It might be worth taking a look at. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, next up, uh, deceased. The Teen Titans turn on each other on new cover. Okay. So, yeah, this is, uh, I guess, this is for deceased number four? That's the upcoming issue? I think so, yeah, because three just came in. It's either probably going to be four or five, but it doesn't really say here. Yeah, deceased number four. It said to uh, release August, so. Uh, And, yeah, you can see a picture of, uh, you can see a picture of that cover right there. All right. Uh, next up, oop, oop. DC Super Sons re- reunite for the first time since John Kent's return. So, which means you got a more grown up John Kent and the still <laughs> short Damian Rain uh, going to uh, meet back up at some point in was this in Superman sixteen looks like. So cool. Yes, as uh, John's five years older, he's sitting on the biggest decision of his long, young life. Damien and John team up again for the for a rip-roaring adventure and a, and a huge catch-up. Um, these two best buds. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, it's another Batman, Superman, but younger. Legacy. Except for one's grown. So, I'm pretty sure there's going to be some, some jokes on that. Next. Uh, Scott Snyder announced the new American Vampire series that's going to be published under the DC Black Label. Hang on. Did you miss one? Oh, I'm sorry. Supergirl acetate cover spoils a major Batman who laughs victim. Oops. Yeah. 
Um, and if you can see, I like that. So those that that, that cover looks good. I like it. Okay. Um, and yeah, apparently Supergirl's going to be a, another victim of the Batman Who's Laughs. So it's right there. Spoiler. Now, uh, Scott, 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 Scott Snyder announces new American Vampire series under DC Black Label. So this was from the uh, Scott Snyder panel from Comic-Con, um, along with the next thing, uh, which I'll go ahead and take. Uh, Snyder, Soul, and Kamikoli unveiled their undiscovered country country at Image. So this is a creator-owned thing uh, written by Scott Snyder and um, Joe Soul, and the uh, art by Giuseppe Kamikoli. So let's see. Da, 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 da. You know, uh, undiscovered country is set in a future where the U.S. has erected walls. Oh Jesus! And isolated itself from the rest of the world after decades decades of uh, seclusion. A small international expedition ventures inside the walled-off country in a desperate hope to find a cure to a pandemic plaguing the rest of the world. What they find, according to Image, is a vastly different version of America. I kind of wonder where they got the inspiration for this one. Hmm. Not like there's no nothing. No, anyway, you know, so, yeah, clearly nothing ripped from the headlines going on about that. Next up, uh, DC graphic novels for young adults uh, were previewed um, Friday this past Friday evening at a panel at uh, Comic Con. Yeah, so you can see some images from that, including. I think we talked about this, the Teen Titans Raven, uh, Raven book by Kami Garcia and Gabriel right. and a couple other things. And, oh, yeah, the Daniel Page Merrow book, which um, um, you mentioned about uh, Matt's friend. Yeah. So, so yeah. So a uh, bunch of that stuff got previewed. Uh, next up, Superman Year One finale introduces a different Wonder Woman and a Batman. And, excuse me, and Batman, not a Batman. So this October, like I said, we said this list is coming out. Uh, third and final issues of Frank Miller and John Romita Jr.'s DC Black Labor miniseries comes to a close, and yeah, the Trinity is uh, is, is comes into play, I guess. And there's some art from it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, next. This October, a new Batwoman is set to arrive in Neo Gotham on the pages of DC Comics's. Batman Beyond, number 37. So, Batgirl Beyond? Or Batwoman Beyond? Batwoman Beyond, I think. Yeah, sure. Let it roll. Uh, Batman just made Brooklyn Nine-Nine part of the DC shared universe. Okay. Nine-Nine? I don't know, but those people watch that. Um, so, yeah, Batman 75 apparently had, um, had uh, which is out now. Yeah. Which had this... Last week, okay, yeah, which had this picture of uh, the Joker and the Riddler in Gotham. What I'm assuming Gotham PD, right? And you can see the desks uh, are the desks of the couple of um, Brooklyn Nine Nine characters. Oh, okay. I I I noticed something, but it didn't uh, ring any bells for me. So, gotcha. So yeah, that's neat. All right. Um, next up. I think there's more than that, but the, but that's the, the gist of it. Uh, She-Ra and the Princess of Power. Mattel makes new, <laughs> new BFS toy. BFS. So, yeah, there's new She-Ra toys uh, coming down the line. And as a matter of fact, I will go ahead and say take this next one because where there's a She-Ra, there's a He-Man. 
Um, although, except for not, not right now, animated form. Anyway, uh, Mattel is bringing out the original vintage He-Man figures, now packed with articulation. Uh, so, and apparently, I think there was a mistake that was on the original set where Man at Arms didn't have a mustache, but now he does. Because uh, I think that's where I originally got this article. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a message of the universe line, and I'm sure uh, PC and underscore dirt and, and folks of that ilk will be happy for this. <laughs> oh, look at this. Highly articulated for posing power for power posing. So, yeah. Anyway, there's that. Next. Uh, Next up, a brand new Omega Ranger. I always get these. A brand new Omega Ranger debuts in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 41. Why are you such a Power Ranger hater? Jeez, man. Come on. Have some joy. (laughs) So, yeah, that is the book that came out this week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And, uh, yeah, we got got a new set of Rangers and probably some toys that'll more than likely come along with said toys. Um, so yeah, they're mega powered, not unlike the mutants, but not they're not mutants. So I am not caught up on on the on the the story, and I know there was another thing that happened in between there. So I'll have to catch up and see what happened with that. Next, uh, the winner of Ahoy Comics's Steel Cage match is everybody. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So last month, Ahoy Comics released Steel Cage number one, a one shot with a unique premise. The, the issue featured three stories, including potential concepts for ongoing series. Uh, but about readers were given the opportunity to, to vote via Ahoy's website on which of the three stories should become uh, its own ongoing series. Voting for the winner uh, ran up until a few days ago, with the winner slated to be announced at the publisher's panel at uh, SDCC. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. I was too tired to play this. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's probably not even worth it. But um, anyway, so apparently uh, all of those books are getting made. Okay. So, uh, one, Noah's Ark, number one, and True Identity, number one, will all debut in early 2020. So what was the point? Next. Uh, Boom Studios, in partnership with WWE, announced a new graphic novel starring WWE champion Kofi Kingston and superstars Big E and Xavier Woods of the New Day that's going to be released in 2020. Who? I actually know who that is. is that uh, yeah, actually, I know who, who Xavier Woods is. That's why I didn't play it. Yeah, and, I, and I, I've heard the other name, so I was actually joking about that. So, yeah, that's the thing. Wrestling will be. Uh, Mark Hamill is wandering Comic-Con, was, excuse me, wandering Comic-Con, disguises his most iconic role. Now, that was the question I was going to ask Matt when he was on earlier. Did he happen to see uh, any of these folks or any of these? So, apparently, uh, Mark Hamill was in disguise with just masks, I think, Um, going around as Luke Skywalker, one young, one old, the Joker, um and skips from regular show. Yeah, he would have walked right past me in that regular show mask. I wouldn't have known it was him, but I was like, huh, skips, really? All right, cool. Like I know enough about regular show to, to, to know that to know the character name it. To know the character at least. So I'm like, all right. Well, probably wouldn't have thought nothing of either way. So yeah, here's the tweet where he actually said as much. 
So, although I, I don't know, I'm like him going as old Luke or young. Well, especially old Luke, I'm like they've been like, hey, is this actually him? Yeah. You know, depending on how cheesy the mask looks, I don't know. But hey, that was a thing that happened, and which I probably wasn't the only one, but the only one that we know about right now. All right. Uh, next up. Next up, AOC and Freedom Force have been reelected for a sequel to their Devil's Due comic um, that was uh, published uh, just a few months back. Right. So cool. I it's guess. going to be. It's going to have a December 2019 release. I don't know if either one of these are the um, covers for this, but that second one's kind of funny. Oh, this is the the alternative cover version. Yeah, sure. it's limited to five hundred copies, and the entirety of the proceeds donated to immigration charities, <laughs> um, to immigration charities President Trump would most likely hate. Was most nice. Likely. Oh, great! I like it. It's awesome. Um, Matt Fraction, Elsa Chartier's November puts normal people in noir circumstances. So this is a kind of interesting one. Because uh, apparently, from what I read of this, it has something to do with what happened in Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue's comics' real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back in 2009, a police manhunt ended right in front of the door of uh, Fraction and DeConnick's home, complete with cops, helicopters, and pointed guns. Uh, Fraction and his family were left to clean up the mess afterwards. Um, when they were playing outside a few days ago, Kelly Sue DeConnick uh, found a loaded gun that had been left in the bushes. That experience inspired Fraction's new graphic novel trilogy with um, artist Elsa Chartier. Uh, November follows three women who are caught up in a violent criminal situation beyond their understanding. So, yeah, and then I think this, uh, the rest is just talking about the, talking about said uh, graphic novel. So, look for that. I was going to say, that sounds like a movie pitch if ever there was one. Right? And they do have a movie company. So, I mean, they do have a movie writing company. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up uh, getting yeah. picked up some kind Seriously, of way. Seriously, talk about creating proof of concept. Right? Um, hey, art imitates life also. So, anyway, last, last stuff. Last, last but not least, <laughs> take the kids on a D&D journey with Young Adventurer's Guide. So, um... The new Young Adventurers Guides are going to come out this summer from Ten Speed Press and Wizards of the Coast. They're going to have all new illustrations and explanations of D&D rules, character creation, monsters, and more that are intended for ages 8 and up. So there's never been a better time to bring your kids to the role-playing table. Right. And then we talked about this book um, probably last week after the show, because I know because, you know we both are mildly interested in one form of D&D or another. Right, uh, and um, this is being written by Jim Zub, and I believe his lady friend Stacy King, because I know I have seen that name on his timeline a lot, and I believe that is and Andrew Wheeler. So yeah, he uh, Jim Zub being a big D and D head uh, made a book for the kids, so it didn't get them in there. Start them early. What you do? So uh, that's a thing that will happen if you got some. You want to get some youngsters into the, the D's and the D's. So cool, and that is it for the news. Holy hell, we got through it. Um, and you know what? An ad is appropriate for getting through this. It's for Wink, <laughs> for personalized <laughs> wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door, from rosé to cabernet to torrente. Wink has over one hundred styles of wine to discover. 
Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. And as we finally hit the end of this here show, I would probably stand to use some alcohol, but maybe next time. Um, Yeah. So guess what, folks? We're in the end of the show. We will definitely see you all back here next week, probably with way less news. All right, talk to me, What was that? Listen again. All right, talk to me, Goose. No, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little punch drunk right now, folks. I'm just it's all good. We're we're running the Yeah. So yeah, look for more of that uh, to come. You know. In the future. So for myself, Roddy Cats on Twitter at Roddy Cats, uh, on News News Needs on Twitter, News News Needs Reddit, CB Caps on Instagram, <laughs> Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram, uh, PC and underscore Dirt on Twitter, Pop Culture Net on Twitter, Pop Culture Network and he, dot com, excuse me, and his umbrella sites therein. I believe includes a He-Man podcast so he can, you know, this is all that I'm sure he'll be on top of all of that um, and the Osiris it is ish Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter C-B Cron on Twitter The Click Nation on Twitter that's D-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N TheClickNation.com and Comic Book Recesses where they, he's over there uh, writing his face off and pro- provided some of the uh, a couple of the um, articles we have presented. And with that, folks, we will be back here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel with another episode of this here Combo Chronicles. Uh, have a great night, a great weekend, and all that jazz. Peace. Peace, one.